is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this, this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. This is another show of the Sports Lab Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. You can call us at 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, which is Apple, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And I keep telling people this because uh, we broke 17,562 downloads on our uh, app. On Android, everybody says, why isn't it the same thing on iOS? Well, Android and Apple are two different systems. So if you have an Apple, all you have to do is search it in your application store, WWSRN, as in Nancy. Not M, as in Nancy. (laughs) <laughs> people are crazy, man. <laughs> Anyways, you're going to convince every other na- every Nancy to download the app. I don't know. People don't know how to spell, or maybe they just misjudge the way I speak. Maybe it's my New York accent. I don't know what it is. Uh, but it's uh, it, people say, well, did you say M or N? What do you think? Network means N, not Metwork. Well, it could be Metwork, the way the Mets are. But anyways. Maybe Steve Cohen will buy us. We only hope. Uh, let me tell you, having that money behind us. I mean, ask Max Scherzer on that. We have a great show lined up for you guys. We have two very special guests. We have one uh, just waiting uh, for us to introduce. So we're going to introduce him in just one second. Uh, but uh, we have a great show lined up for you guys tonight. Uh, we will get into the... Tom Brady, yes, the Tom Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because it's no longer Bruce Arians, that's for sure, because it seems like, um, I guess, Tom made a deal with Tampa. (laughs) If he decides to come back, Bruce Arians is no longer coaching that team. I don't know. Or maybe maybe it's just a thought that I've been saying this over and over again, that Miami is going to fetch and get Tom Brady, but it seems like it's a story. We'll see what happens moving forward. With the Todd Bowles Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, ex-New York Jet coach. Uh, I'm not too excited about that, but that's just a whole nother story. Um, We will get into Bobby Wagner. Yes, Bob Wagner finding a new team. And yes, Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams get Bobby Wagner. It's crazy. I, I mean, the rich get richer and the poor just gets poorer. I mean, seriously, this is horrible. I, why is football like this now? All of a sudden, all the good players, they become free agents and they jump ship. They go from one team to another. And Bob, I think Bob Wagner did the right thing. He went to the NFC, the easy NFC, where the Rams are still going to compete in, that, you know, oh, yeah. in the NFC and, and have a chance to win every, for the next two years. So um, not surprised that Bobby Wagner picked the Rams. Uh, so we'll get into 
into that. We'll get into the sweepstakes for all these wide receivers that become available. I, I don't know who's going to. Now A.J. Brown's going to the Green Bay Packers. I mean, it, it seems like it's a story after a story after a story. I'm about to jump off a ledge because I'm a Jet fan, and I want to see one of these guys go to the Jets, but I'm not trading away. As long as it's not D.K. Metcalf. <laughs> well, I don't want D.K. Metcalf. I, I, I know a lot of Jet fans are in love with him, but I am not. I'm just telling everybody I'm not. I don't know if anybody saw Elijah Moore make that unbelievable catch on the beach uh, today. It was posted all over social media. It's a pretty impressive catch, but could he do it on the field? That's the question. <laughs> uh, we'll get into some baseball, basketball, hockey. Yes, hockey a little bit later in the show. But we have our first guest. We are now talking to uh, Roto Viz football analyst and college to condo. Canton, Canton, Canton. What? Why do you? Why do you do this? You, you give me like a list of things. Just tell me one thing so I know how to analyze it. Podcast host Travis May. What's going on, Travis? Glad to be here, guys. Just uh, talking through some NFL draft stuff, uh, NFL rumors, I guess, and trades and all all sorts of good stuff. And uh, yeah, I mean, this off season has been what the Crazy. most insane NFL NFL off season in recent memory, and maybe uh, ever. So uh, <laughs> it seems like every every week, every day. Uh, there's something else to talk about. So. We'll be talking about Tom Brady going to another team soon because it seems like that's going to happen too. <laughs> Look at his face. He's shaking because he has no idea what's going on. Uh, you know, I, I might believe you. Just like you mentioned A.J. Brown like in trade. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but like I, I could see, you know, and nothing would, would surprise at this mm. point. Nothing will surprise. I mean, Debo Samuels is a name that everybody's been talking about. San Francisco knows they're going to have to pay him. Are they going to be willing to pay him? And are they going to give him the money that Tyreek Hill got or Devontae Adams got? Because if he has another one of those years that he had last year, uh, he's going to get a lot of money. So uh, do are they willing to trade him? Or are they willing to keep him? That's going to be the question moving forward uh, before the season. But uh, before we get into that, uh, why don't we talk about how did you become an, a football analyst for Rotoviz and and obviously college to uh, Canton? How did you decide to get involved with these organizations? Sure. So I've been uh, doing football analysis, I guess, six, seven years. You know, well, yeah, seven years since, since 2015. Now, um, I actually at the time was working in music publishing here in Nashville, Tennessee. Did that for six or seven years, and uh, but I wanted to you know kind of have a side hustle. And uh, so I started with the Fantasy Authority, went over to Dynasty League Football, uh, worked for a, you know, a subsidiary, uh, subsidiary rather of, uh, you know, uh, SB Nation, uh, covering the Titans. Uh, I covered the Fal- uh, Falcons for a bit. Um, and, and I was all over the place, uh, covering way too many things all over. I was just running myself, uh, you know, just not sleeping, you know, that, that kind of thing. So <laughs> I was like, sleep. okay, I've got to, I've just got to centralize it. So Rotoviz. Um, they're really an analytics kind of based fantasy football site with like 30 different awesome tools to help you win your fantasy football leagues. But there's a whole lot of real football uh, analysis mixed in there too, uh, from college football to the NFL, to the NFL draft, um, everything year round. So um, I, I felt like, man, this is, they were wanting me to do a bunch of college content and I love that a ton. So it just made sense. And so three years ago, I kind of consolidated and uh, moved most of my stuff over there. And, and now I also contribute with uh, the Solid Verbal uh, podcast as well, doing some stats and weekly column stuff in season for them. But, yeah, just um, love talking everything, the, the entire journey of these prospects right. from, like, recruiting all the way to the Hall of Fame discussion. That's where the college, the Kenton name for the podcast came from. It's just the journey of these best 
football prospects. It's it's great. It's it's a story. It's uh, I feel like every other NFL player, it, they, they might as well make a movie about all of them because <laughs> it's insane what it takes just to make it at all to the pros. So why don't we get into the NFL draft, which is about 30 days away. It's it's coming quick. Uh, a lot of these NFL teams, are they're making their trades. They're wheeling and dealing, signing players. Uh, I mean, there are so many teams, the New York teams over here, uh, trying to figure out what they're going to do because both teams have two top ten picks do they trade out? Do they, they keep their picks? Uh, where do they go in the draft? So when you look at the top ten, and obviously there are two big pass, actually three big pass rushers. Uh, one of them fall out maybe into the second round uh, because he injured his, uh, what was it, his Achilles. ACL, his Achilles. Yeah. So he's, he's probably going to be drafted uh, you know, in, in the uh, second round. What are, your, what are your thoughts with the two, uh, two pass rushers in Thibodeau and Hutchinson? Well, you know, it's a very deep pass rushing class mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden when you look at it. I mean, you got Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, you got Trayvon Walker, mm-hmm. Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State, George Karloftis at Purdue. And then we had uh, David Ojabo, who was the one who got injured, uh, to get excited about. And realistically, we were looking at six, I mean, yeah, probably six top 20 picks, mm-hmm. or at least that kind of level talent. So Aiden Hutchinson, I like, I love what he brings to the game. Um I think he's more of a balanced playmaker than I think uh, Kayvon Thibodeau is. But in, in terms of just off-the-edge dominant force, um, I, I would have to say that I, I favor Kayvon Thibodeau. But I think if, if teams are looking for the most balanced uh, collective upside pick, uh, that's probably going to be Aiden Hutchinson. But, I, I mean, I loved watching their careers th- throughout uh, college. Aiden Hutchinson, Hutchinson, his hype was a little bit uh, more delayed than Thibodeau's. I mean, Thibodeau's, e- even dating back to high school, he was like a five-star. Everyone knew like he was just going to be a monster. And so it was kind of a big deal that he even chose Oregon back mm-hmm. in the day. So uh, it, it, it's funny just watching these players. Just We knew they were going to hit three years ago, and here they are. So the wide receivers of the rookie class definitely polarizing. There's no obvious number one like there was in previous years. So where do you stand on these top five receiver rankings? How many you think could go in the first round? And from a fantasy perspective, too, what do you think the impact could be long term? Yeah, so for me, there is kind of a more obvious uh, wide receiver one, and and for me, that is Garrett Wilson. Um, I know it's it's more popular, uh, you know, as we get closer to the draft for, I guess, for people to just flag plant on mm-hmm. on different players that aren't Garrett Wilson. But dating back to again, like when he was like 16 years old, he was a five star wide receiver, and so really, literally five years ago, everyone was thinking this guy was going to be a first round pick, and even still today. Uh, he is the number one ranked and mocked uh, wide receiver one uh, all over. And so it's not crazy um, to, to call him the wide receiver one, but he, I feel like it just should be a little bit more obvious in this group. Cause I feel like there are, there are at least one or two questions that I have about a lot of the guys uh, ranked below him. Uh, but it's not that it's a bad class uh, after him. I just think that he is uh, proven at every wide receiver position starting out his career in the slot, shifting outside, having success there, dominating while sharing targets with two other future NFL wide receivers already. He's proven that he is ready to go and be the alpha playmaker in an NFL offense. Uh, now, Drake London, great. Uh, just big, I mean, team big wide receiver. Love to see it. I mean, the NFL has been you know going towards the smaller shifty guys in terms of early draft capital investment here recently, but 
really love Drake London. He was on a, a an absurd pace last fall. Uh, mm-hmm. He had like 110 targets in eight games. Uh, everyone knew that where the ball was going and no one could stop him. It's, it's a lot of fun to just watch him dominate last year. Traylon Burks, a couple of dominant years. Uh, and it's funny because he's like almost as he's like a he's a big slot, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's that's how they used him at Arkansas and um, really just funny and how they utilize this guy who could dominate on, dominate on the outside. But because of how that offense is set up and where they want to target their wide receivers, a lot of the times it was like, you know, just just, you know, chuck it downfield to Traylon because it's third and long or just underneath stuff to to make it easier for KJ Jefferson. But. I really like Jamison Williams. I really like Chris Olave. I really like even guys like uh, Jahan Dotson. Um, so, I, I mean, all those names that I mentioned are in the mix for round one capital. I know. I mean, we're not going to see a healthy Jamison Williams right away, I think, this year. Uh, out of Alabama, of course. Uh, but, man, uh, this class, I, I was more skeptical coming into last fall than I am now. But it really, it looks like we have five six maybe uh first round talents at the position which is a lot of fun we are talking to uh, roto viz football analyst and college to canton podcast host travis may now talking about the wide receivers and 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 there's a quite a few teams looking for a wide receiver one of them actually i would say both new york teams looking for wide receivers i i would say the jets are definitely looking for a number one uh if they don't make a trade for one of these top uh end receivers that are possibly available in the NFL, uh, they are probably going to either go after Garrett Wilson, I've been hearing, or even uh, Drake, uh, Drake, um, Drake London, I'm sorry. So tell us a little bit about the the offensive, the offensive side of this draft. Now, I, I, you know, with the offensive line, everybody was saying that this might be one of the weaker offensive line drafts, and then what we saw in, in you know at the combine and and some of the athletic ability that these guys have, they're just getting bigger, stronger, faster uh, going into these combines. What stands out offensively in this draft besides the wide receivers, the, the running backs, which is not a running back draft? The offensive linemen. Is there something that really stands out to you that nobody is talking about in this draft? Uh, I wouldn't say that it's nobody that is really talking about it, but it is odd just how many good offensive line are being mocked uh, earlier now than they were last fall or even in January. I mean, when you look at uh, Iquanu, uh, Neil, Cross, I mean, like we even have a center in the mix. Like how many times do you have a center that, that is in the mix for early first round draft capital, like with Linderbaum? Like I, I would love him to drop to the Titans, but – uh, as a Titans fan here in Nashville, because mm. uh, they need offensive line help. But I mean, like even a center like him, I don't know if he's going to drop to the late first at this point. So that is something that's not as sexy to talk about. But every team, like if you don't have a good offensive line in today's league, like for pass blocking specifically, you are absolutely screwed. And so that's a big deal. Uh, and for there to be like about a half dozen guys there that could all go in the first half of the first round. I mean, that's that's not completely normal i mean we see a few but like really six or more just if we just rank them agnostic of team need uh like could be like in the top 10 like best real players in the draft like that's that's not uh really normal and part of it is i think you know with this 2022 class it's jam-packed full of players because of the extra year of COVID eligibility for college we saw players stay an extra year a fifth year a sixth year uh, of college. And so it's an older class, a deeper class than we've ever actually seen ever. And so 
that makes it a little bit deeper and more fun at other positions and pushes other positions, I think, a little bit further down the board. You mentioned the running backs. Uh, this already wasn't a running back class, but given how deep a few other positions like edge rusher, like offensive tackle, like wide receiver have become, the running back position and the NFL has already been moving away from early draft capital investment there. But we could see a running back, even even though there are a few guys I really like, mm. we might see the first running back of the board around pick 50 in this draft, really, wow. which is which is crazy. Like I, I really like Brees Hall. I think Kenneth Walker is fantastic. Isaiah Spiller hasn't been helping himself with his, his uh, combine situation and his pro day, running a little bit slower. Uh, but I really like Rashad White out of Arizona State. And, and there's a few other names that I, I think deserve uh, day two capital. But uh, we might be disappointed in terms of uh, how teams invest at the running back position, at least just because that's the position we love to talk about for fantasy football, for, you know, the, everyone buys the jerseys. But, yeah, it's, it's just not as deep this year. So the two, two top wide receivers got traded in the last two weeks, Devontae Adams to the Raiders, Tyreek Hill to Miami. So both for real NFL and for fantasy implications, what do you think about those new situations for those guys? Oh, man, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Uh, that, that's interesting because, I mean, how many targets did uh, the Dolphins just shove uh, the way of Jalen Waddle last year. I mean, mm. his average depth of target was like uh, probably negative 50 yards, something mm. like that. Mm. It was all underneath stuff. And, and, and it was funny because he's he can stress the field vertically. They just didn't ask him to do that a ton last year. So I'm, I'm, I am curious how many targets uh, there are going to be to go around for Tyreek Hill. Um, now, Tyreek Hill hasn't been a guy who's been dependent on 150 plus targets to give us really good impact for all of our favorite fantasy football teams. He's been like, you know, a top two or three wide receiver for like five, six years now in terms of uh, collective production. Uh, and the only other guy who's been more impressive than him uh, was Devontae Adams. And so uh, basically the, the one and two in terms of raw production in the entire NFL over the past five seasons just got new homes. So I, I really don't know what to think. Uh, I think it's an obvious downgrade uh, in quarterback quality in both situations. I mean, Tyreek Hill moving off of, Patrick Mahomes going to to a, to a tongue of Iloa. I mean, no no knock on Tua. Patrick Mahomes is just like a top two, three talent in the league. And then Aaron Rodgers, like, might be the best, you know, maybe not the best quarterback of all time, but maybe the best just spinner, thrower, whatever you want to say, of the football in the league scene. Like, he's just got a bizarre, uh, amazing skill set, even, even if he is a, a, just a jerk objectively. <laughs> but uh, uh, so I... I think that there's going to be no shortage of targets for Devontae Adams, though, because you pair him with his old college quarterback with Derek Carr. And, you know, looking back to the 2013, 2014 seasons, they they connected for like 38 touchdowns in two seasons back at Fresno State. And yes, it's been a long time since they've played together, but there's a reason Devontae went to go play with his old buddy from Fresno State. They're, they're going to have some fun just putting up bonkers numbers. So that that's I'm more confident in Devontae Adams. Uh, and his ability to succeed just from a raw production standpoint than I am with Tyree Kill, just because Jalen Waddle is 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 amazing, and uh, he and Tyree Kill their their skills their skill sets kind of step on each other. I think so. Yeah, I, I think both will succeed. I just don't think we're going to see top two, top three production out of Hill, whereas I think we might see that same uh, ceiling 
out of Adams. Now, Travis, you look at the divisions. You look at the NFC and the AFC. The, the NFC is dominant. They've always been dominant for the last, I would say, the last 10 years has been dominated by the NFC. Now you look at all these other players that have jumped ship and gone to the AFC. Uh, we, we talk about the the L.A. Chargers division with the Kansas City Chiefs, the, probably the weakest team out of all the three teams, uh, out of, of all the four teams with all the acquisitions that were made. Uh, the L.A. Rams adding, um, obviously, the firepower that they did with Allen Robinson and now Bob Wagner. I mean, this was a Super Bowl contending team. And they uh, going into the offseason after winning the Super Bowl, uh, the L.A. Uh, I, I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders adding Devontae yeah. Adams. I mean, and, and, and some of the acquisitions they made in free agency, they've made a load, and they added a new coach uh, in Josh McDaniels, who's an offensive-minded coach. Maybe it helps Derek Carr. And then Russell Wilson going to the Broncos. Tyreek Hill going to um, Tyreek going to the Dolphins. And then, obviously, uh, one of the best safeties in all of football, uh, going to uh, the Baltimore Ravens and 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 obviously Buffalo getting Von Miller. I mean, you look at the AFC; it's gotten better and better and better and better. And the NFC is really weak. It's a four-team you know league now in the NFC. When you look at the Rams, San Francisco, um, I guess you could say the Green Bay Packers and Tampa Bay, and and nobody in the NFC East really stands out to me. Whoever comes out of that division is probably going to get eliminated in the first round. So, are you surprised? That the NFC has just completely, uh, you know, they're gone. I mean, it's relinquished. It's not what it used to be. No, I mean, it's it's really just it comes down to the quarterbacks at this point. <laughs> like if you look at some of the guys that uh, have have jumped ship and gone to the AFC or a bunch of the young up and coming quarterbacks that have just blossomed into the top five, top seven ish options in the league. It's just insane how deep the quarterback position is there and uh, even adding wily veterans like Matty Matty Ice from the Falcons to the Colts like that that gives them a better option as well so even like the the bottom end quarterback play in the AFC uh it just on paper looks way better than uh, a bunch of the confusing situations in the NFC uh, so yeah i think it really at the most basic level comes down to the quarterback play uh and the depth in the AFC there. Yes. Travis, listen to this. You mentioned it's a big deal. Listen to this man, like quarterbacks. That's, that's where it begins and ends. Travis, you just mentioned quarterbacks. I just want to go through the AFC on of all the teams. And I'm going to name every single quarterback in the AFC, the bills, Josh Allen, Patriots, Mac Jones, Dolphins, Tua, Jets, Zach Wilson, Bengals, Joe Burrow, Steelers, Mitchell Trubisky, Browns, uh, Deshaun Watson, Ravens, Lamar Jackson, Titans, uh, T- Tannehill, Colts, now Matt Ryan, Texans, uh, Mills, Jaguars, obviously Trevor Lawrence, Chiefs, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Oakland, uh, whatever they are, Vegas, uh, Derek Carr, <laughs> Chargers, Justin Herbert, and the Broncos, Russell Wilson. I mean, on every, even the bad teams, I, I think the worst quarterback out of the bunch is Tua. Uh, or Mitchell Chabitsky, okay? It, it, to me, it's just ridiculous what, what the AFC is holding. You just said, mentioned, it's all about the quarterback. Every one of these teams, even the young quarterbacks that are developing, uh, it, it's crazy. It's sick. It's not It's not fair. No, it really isn't. And I think, uh, you know, Trubisky might get replaced in the draft. And, uh, you know, 
but besides that, like I think everyone else is pretty much set. Like mm. they either have their young guy that they're going to trust, or they have a veteran option that that they can go to, uh, that might not be super sexy. Like uh, even Titans fans are a little bit tired of Ryan Tannehill, you know, throwing three picks in this uh, this this year's elimination game for them wasn't great. But even that situation, it's like he's been efficient and good. So uh, not many questions there. So that that helps the depth there and really. <laughs> Hurts most teams that want to have a hopeful uh, run the for Jets. the playoffs because just it's say more competitive the Jets. than ever. Oh, yeah, just yeah, say the, the Jets. Jets. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's been the case for like 40 fifty years. years but, fifty you know. years. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Jet fan. What, what else is new? Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask because you're a Titans fan. Two things: Ryan Tannehill, like you mentioned, a lot of Titans fans definitely concerning with concerned with him, especially with the contract that he got. Really struggling in the playoffs since he's gotten with the Titans, and then Derrick Henry last year. He's had been phenomenal throughout his career, but got a big injury last year. And for somebody of his body type and a running back as it is, the way it's going in this league, are you worried about something like that? So Tannehill and Henry, how should the Titans approach that going forward long-term? Uh, you know, it's it's probably not going to be a, a long-term thing. Like uh, Tannehill and, and Henry probably have two more really solid peak years. I mean, Derrick Henry is an alien, so he might play till he's 40. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he, I, get, I remember the conversations with him. Like, he was a five-star kid breaking every record imaginable in Florida or whatever. And uh, he was getting, like, 400 carries a year or something silly. <laughs> like, and even in his final year at Alabama, he seriously had almost 400 carries. And uh, people were like, oh, man, the tires, the tread on the tires can be worn off. And he, like, here he is just still looking the same and just – crushing people's souls um so i have no idea how long that's gonna last it might last 15 more years it might last two because that's that's how running backs well look at look at adrian Uh, peterson they're gonna have to pivot you know after probably two or three more years you look at adrian peterson i mean he's played forever he's still playing in the league so maybe he's another titans last year (laughs) so i wouldn't doubt it uh but as everybody knows, we are talking to uh, Rotoviz, football analyst and college to Canton podcast host, Travis May. Um, one more question for me. And I mean, this whole Tom Brady thing and Tom Brady retires. Everybody thought, all right, it's over for the, the goat, whatever they call him, uh, the greatest of all time. And now he comes back. He goes to Ronaldo game, Ronaldo game. Uh, and then all, 24 hours, he, he puts up a post on Twitter that he's coming back. And now all of a sudden, within a week and a half, two weeks after coming back from retirement, uh, Bruce Arians decides to step down and gives the, uh, gives the raids to Todd Bowles. Do you think that has anything to do with Tom Brady, one? And do you think that Tom Brady, of all these rumors, which I thought was going to happen when he did come back, all these rumors with Tyreek Hill going to Miami, and Miami having Gasicki and all these other offensive, powerful players that they have over there, do you think he flees Tampa and gets traded to go to Miami? No, I don't think that last part's going to be it. But I do think, you know, I, I think there was smoke last year that that Brady and Arians didn't really like each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so if you're talking about the, the greatest of all time coming in, like, look, man, I'm going to come back and maybe give you guys another shot at the Super Bowl, but I'm not dealing with that guy. I, I think, I mean, maybe not. Maybe, I mean, like it seemed like there was a genuine, uh, when Arians was given his presser, you know, Brady was there. It seemed like Brady was like, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, we're good. But it could be just for show because he doesn't want to look like that guy. So I could definitely see that there would be something like Brady's, like, I'm, I'm coming back, but I'm not dealing with Arians again. 
we're, we're going to do something different and uh, we're going to make it back. And they're going to listen to him because the dude's got like 80,000 passing yards and all, <laughs> all of this. I think last time, yeah, all of the, all of the Super Bowls. I think, yeah, I think he's won all of them. <laughs> he's been to what? 11, 11 10? I mean, he's been to 10, he, 1, he, 7. He as an individual has more Super Bowls than any team yeah. in NFL history. It's like, ridiculous. So, yeah, so, that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that's, that's normal. So my last question, just one college football question. The debate has been raging whether to expand the college football playoff, how many teams. So where do you stand on that debate? Oh, that's going to happen for sure. Like, it's not a matter of, like, if, it's a matter of when. And I think 12 is great. Uh, we don't need a March Madness. Like, I don't want to see, you know, I just, I don't want to see, uh, let's see, what's a, let's, I don't want to see Marshall. Some of my games. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think we need to see Marshall face 60. off against Alabama. You know, like, that's not a thing that. That's just that's just murder. Like, like we were televising, yeah, televising murder there at that point. So we'll I think twelve is great. We'll call I that the, the butt ball. Is, exactly. Yeah, it's just given the, the structure of college football as it is, it's constantly changing right now. But there's like four real power conferences. It is quote unquote power five, but like the Big Twelve is not really going to be that here soon. And uh, so I mean, given uh, what they all want. Um, you know, they all have a say. All, all the big conferences have a say for the money and like what works as far as as far as ad, automatic qualifiers and everything. So I think it just works. You can get you know the the Power Five plus one Group of Five conference champion making it, and then six at large bids, and then actually work in some home games to the to the early rounds of the playoff. I think that'd be huge. It's going to be awesome. And really, for those of you who have not really been paying attention to college football for forever. It's all going to come down to what the Rose Bowl does because the Rose Bowl has been the issue. Like they have to have their game at this time, this place, blah blah blah. The sun has to set at this time, blah blah blah. <laughs> we're, we're just an annoying group of old people that love the game or whatever, and um, they're going to have to come off that because uh, they're going to get left on an island finally. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, um, we could only they're going to have to just catch. Yeah, they're just going to have to catch up and just be like, hey, look, we're just going to make boatloads of money and. It's going to be fine. So, yeah, it's probably going to be 12 teams here by 2026. Well, they're finally letting these college players actually make some money. So that's a good sign. I I mean, with everything that's happened over the years, I've always said that college players should be making money off their own name. Why are they making money? Why is the school making money off these players' names and they can't make money off their own names? And then they go into the – they never get a college they, – they don't finish a college education. They go into the NFL, and they, they never finish it. And it's not fair to them. They're making these, these, college, these colleges millions and millions of dollars with these bowl games. I don't know, I know exactly, but I, 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 would, I would think that if you're playing in a bowl game, you're making 10 to $15 million off just off the, about that bowl game. So I think that these players should be making money. And finally, uh, the, the college collegiate NCAA is opening their eyes and saying, you know what? Let these guys make money. They deserve it. Yeah, and it's it's great. Uh, it's a mess also yes, right now because, course. like, we've got uh, kids that are, you know, juniors in high school right now. Uh, allegedly, uh, you know, it's not a sure thing, but it's pretty much like everyone knows that uh, Nico Yamaleva, uh, mm-hmm. Yamaleava, rather, sorry, Nico <laughs> Yamaleava, uh, California kid, five-star for the 2023 class, uh, you know, recently – allegedly just signed like an $8 million deal or up to an $8 million deal. And so it, it is funny to see how just quickly that's jumped off the deep end into giving kind of crazy bonkers money hmm. uh, to these kids from the, from these collectives that aren't officially affiliated with the university, but they are. Mm. Uh, it's, it's just kind of funny. Cause it's like, this has been happening 
uh, but now it's okay, but it's also weird. I don't know. It, it, it's going to have to be regulated at some point, yeah. or maybe people realize, hey, after after five or six of these five stars bust and we just threw $8 million down the toilet, that maybe that's not a great idea uh, to bet on a 16-year-old. Uh, but it's just so many things going on, and, and I love it, actually, because it's chaos, and, it, and it's always something to talk about. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's fun, but it's also good because – uh, like when a kid loses his scholarship because he has a YouTube channel and he's like the kicker for his college team, that's a problem. Like, <laughs> like that's a, that's a legit <laughs> real example. A kicker was forced to, hey, you you know, I know you're making money on the side. Um, you have to shut this down and not do this anymore. We're gonna take away your scholarship. And he's like, okay, bye. <laughs> and, and so it's just like and like a couple other examples. Uh, kids out, I think it was out in Utah or Colorado. They like wanted to just just make a rap album. And make some money off of that. And just because they were on the team and they were affiliated with the team, they weren't even like promoting that, you know, this is through the team, any this through, you know, nothing like that. They just, because they were like making money off of their own brand, they had to forfeit their scholarship as well. So it's like, it's just stupid, stupid stuff. The right. system was so broken for so long. So it's refreshing to see um, the chaos, actually. So, <laughs> Travis, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media? Uh, the best place to follow me, interact with me, uh, is on Twitter at ff underscore travis m. Uh, that's that's where I, I spend a lot of my time. I'm in way too many group chats and all of, and a bunch of di- you know discords here and there. But just find me on Twitter, and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, <laughs> definitely check out all my stuff at Rotoviz and uh, SolidVerbal.com and the uh, College to Kenton podcast with my buddy Stefan. Well, when whenever uh, the draft is over, we'll definitely get you on again. Uh, you're great. You gave us some good information when it comes to the draft and even your thoughts what's going on with the open NFL, and I mean open NFL with the way the NFL is just falling, you know, from, from the NFC to the AFC, just the powerhouses in the AFC. It's ridiculous. It, as a Jet fan, I'm not excited about it because I, I, I finally said, hey, we got a quarterback, maybe he is the future of this team. But what does that tell you when you look at all these other teams powerhousing, blowing up now and adding new players, and that, that doesn't benefit for the Jets. So as a Jet fan, I'm not very excited. Um, hey, I, I will say, though, I, I really like Elijah Moore. Like, yeah. I was pumped for him that yes. uh, he got more of a, an alpha look down the stretch. Like, they really leaned on him. And mm-hmm. I think he – I mean, even if they don't add a wide receiver like you probably want them to early, 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 um, he can be that. Like, mm-hmm. he was that at Ole Miss. And uh, – I really fully believe in his skill set. He's got the NFL, like, I mean, what was he, a 4-3-2 kind of speedster, yeah. uh, but also uh, run-after-catch guy, just really balanced player. So hmm. I think that the foundation is there for you guys. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, you're, you, look, your starting tight end is not going to be Ryan Griffin this year, so congrats on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you guys will, you guys will piece it together. Thank you very much, Travis. We really appreciate you joining us, and uh, we'll definitely talk to you soon, my friend. Yeah, you guys uh, take care. Thanks for having me. Travis May, awesome guy. Great decision, Speedy, bringing him on. Uh, When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to our friend, finally. Uh, We haven't heard from him in about two years, but why not talk to him now? We will be talking to Oregon State sophomore tight end JT Byrne here on the Sports Lab Mounts. You're, you're, You're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, 
Speedy, Petey, you can call us at 631-672-3108. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Tell Travis he was awesome. We really appreciate him joining us and giving us the half an hour of time that all these guys give us, and we really appreciate it. And we have, finally, uh, a guy that... Uh, we had another tight end that we were talking to uh, two years ago from Maryland and CJ, and now we have JT. We are now talking to Oregon State sophomore tight end JT Byrne. What up? What up? What up, JT? So good to see you guys, man. It's nice to be back on the show. Thank you for having me on here, man. Absolutely, man. You're two years older. So how old are you crazy. right now? How old are you right I'm now? Ni- I'm 19. I think I talked to you guys when I was 17. 17 or yes, yeah, you were 17. Crazy, so. It's it's crazy, man, and and we 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 keep in touch with a lot of you guys because we 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 interviewed the top fifty prospects uh, of uh, two years ago. So we Devin uh, Kirkwood, we still stay in touch with all of these guys, and uh, I I really hope you guys succeed, get through your college education, and get into the NFL, and and really show everybody how great and how talented you really are. So how is it over there in Oregon State? What is it like? Going to college over there, obviously with the the different type of women and 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 just everything, you know the the sports life, uh, the eating, the drinking life. What what is it like being over there? College life over there for you? No, absolutely. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm from California, so I think something for me in the recruiting process was definitely finding a place that was close enough to home where I could get home in a day if I needed to. That was kind of a big thing for me, and obviously. I've always dreamed to play in the Pac-12 and Oregon State was able to provide that as well. And, um, you know, so I've I've been up here for about nine months now, which is crazy to think about. And uh, I love it up here. I mean, the people are awesome, uh, super down to earth people, which is super cool. Um, the staff lived up to what my expectations were throughout the recruiting process, which I can't say enough about. And I think, you know, obviously I was looking for a staff that I knew was going to be around for a while. And that's also the case. So, I mean, the staff does a great job taking care of their players, checking in on everyone, making sure, you know, we're in good health, good shape, good mental health. Um, obviously, I think the day-to-day process of playing college football is a big adjustment for sure. And I think, you know, getting getting that adjustment is obviously – it takes a little bit of time. And um, there's growing pains, of course. And obviously, homesickness is a normal thing. But I think the fact that it's – fairly similar to where I was living in California too, um, helps a lot. And the people here are just phenomenal. And I've made great friends. I love my professors. And obviously there's more than just football to it as well. You gotta be, you know, going to school, you gotta be living every day. You, you do football for, from 7am to noon, but the rest of the day is kind of on you. So, um, definitely have found some good things to do. There's some beautiful places out here in Oregon to go on hikes and check it out. And, so all in all, man, I, I'm having a great time. I love it here. Um, I have zero regrets about my decision. Yeah, I was just going to ask about that. Is there anything off the field? Because Oregon is a very unique state, both geographically and in terms of like the cities that are there. Is there anything that you've done off the field, either with your college teammates or even just in your own, in your own time, that have been very fascinating off the field? You know, it's, it's super cool. There's, there's actually a wide variety of waterfalls mm. in Oregon. And, um, that's something that you don't get as much in California. Uh, also I I live on the coast, so I have the beach and stuff and we're not that far from the coast, but I think more of like the inland 
stuff I've been super interested in. And then it, it was funny. I was kind of the, the laughing stock on my team when we had one day of snow and I was like, I was like a five-year-old child. I was running around frolicking in the snow and everyone's like, what are you doing, man? I was like, I haven't seen snow since I was like six years old. So it was, I was kind of cool to see too. And so a little bit of the, the difference in climate is cool. Um, I've always liked practice. I've never had a problem practicing cold weather. Um, so it'll get, it'll get chilly here. Um, so that's kind of an adjustment too. But um, I think, you know, outside of campus, I think, seeing some of the scenery i'm starting to do that more and more and more uh i've always been a big outdoors guy too so that's oregon's kind of set up perfectly for that as well as everybody knows we are talking to oregon state sophomore tight and jt burn now obviously uh you're a sophomore now so you're going to see more playing time have you talked to the coaches going into this up up and coming season uh are you going to play more are you going to start are you going to be playing for a starting position as a tight end on this team where do you see yourself moving in uh, to this season's uh, football season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so this year was a great opportunity to redshirt, and I kind of embraced that redshirt opportunity. And I was able to watch. We have a we have a guy, Tegan Catoriano. He was our starter this year, and he I just watched him at his pro day here today. So um, that was pretty cool to watch. I think he's got a really good shot at getting picked up fairly early. And so watching a guy like that, and we have another guy that's returning, uh, Luke Musgrave, who's a really good dude. Uh, freak athlete so it's fun to watch guys like that and take as much as you can and learn from them and honestly I'm just right now we're in spring ball and I'm just trying to go in every day just to get a little bit better each day and you know watching my reps increase trying to take advantage of those reps and do whatever I can to contribute and I definitely have a plan to be on the field and contribute I don't know in what way next year but that's definitely the plan and to make an impact in a positive way and help the team win and obviously um be patient with it too. Obviously football is a long process and it's a five-year deal and I'm totally willing to embrace that and do whatever I can each year just to take baby steps to get better and better and better and whatever I can do to help the team win. So your coach and Jonathan Smith, who has created a winning culture there for Oregon State, they made a bowl game this past season uh, against Utah State. And for a school that's not normally known for football, a great baseball school, a basketball school that went to the Elite Eight last year as a 12 seed, very impressive run, but not normally known for football. So what do you think he has done as to this program, and what, do you, what have been your connections with him as a coach so far? Yeah, I mean, he's he, first of all, he's an excellent dude. Um, great guy, a players coach for sure. Um, always willing to check in with the players, make sure we're doing well and super hands-on in that aspect. But I think also a testament to him is he's, he lets his coaches do their jobs as well. So he's very much a facilitator and lets them do what they, what he knows their strengths are. And I have a lot of respect for that as a guy who's running a program, because obviously when you want to run a program, you got to make sure that you, there's times where I'm sure you want to step in and intervene, but he's very good about letting his coaches do their jobs. That's what he hired them for. And we have an excellent coaching staff and, you know, everyone shows up every day, we're willing to work hard. And I think um, he, he knows what winning is like too. I mean, he, he played at Oregon state himself, uh, won a Fiesta bowl, I believe against Notre Dame um, had some really good players here. And so he knows what that winning culture looks like here. And he's got all of his players that he's recruited now, um, it's his fresh set of players. It's, you know, after that, it's been, I think this is year five coming up for him. So now it's all of his players and everyone's really buying into the culture and he understands what it takes to win. He's hired coaches that understand what it takes to win. He was the, he was offense coordinator at Washington, um, 
when they were extremely good. So he obviously has known how to win in the recent years as well. And so it's no surprise that this program is just continuing to trend in the right direction. And I'm just super grateful to be part of it. JT, you you know, going into college, you were 6'6", 238 pounds. Usually as you, you, you go from high school to college, you get bigger, you get stronger. Uh, where are you at right now as a sophomore in college? I, I mean, going into, you know, the, the NCAA, going into college fo- football, you were 238 pounds, 240. Are you close to that weight or you, you did you add 10, 15 pounds of muscle? Where are you at when it comes to, you know, your body and your strength? Yeah, you know, I, I kind of joke about it. I think I'm a very similar weight, but the weight's in much different places. So um, I, I think that's what you got to tell our, the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, but no, like our strength staff is phenomenal. So I think, you know, getting here right off the bat, I was kind of willing to embrace the fact that it's going to take a little bit of while to get your body in the way you want it to be. And obviously, by year four, year five, I hope it's in a completely different spot, too. I, I'm definitely going to try to keep slowly adding on weight but i'm sitting about 245 right now at the moment and um i've you know i've I've really focused and we do a lot of testing kind of like body mass body fat index and each time i try to add more muscle while reducing body fat percentage so if you can keep that weight consistent but your body fat percentage is dropping then you're adding muscle so that's something that i really try to emphasize and um, obviously a lot of that comes with nutrition because we're working out enough where you don't have to worry about that as much because they're taking care of that for you. But nutrition's a lot on you. And, um, I didn't really realize that until I got out of high school and obviously, um, you miss the home cooked meals, but sometimes that's better for you when you <laughs> are, you know, on a better eating program, embracing that and, and also kind of the education about what you're eating. Mm. And I think that's super important. I don't think people understand that until, you truly are saying, okay, this, why are you eating this? Or what is this doing to help you? And if you can understand that, then you can eat that food with a purpose. And how much, how, how much are you benching and how much are you squatting right now as a sophomore? Um, so we're, we haven't done maxing out in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's funny. My, my weights have jumped significantly just because I wasn't very familiar with the weight room in high school, but, uh, since I'm still considered like the, in the freshman class, we don't, um, back squat yet we right. back squat in year two um so i mean we're front squatting and that's in the 300s and huh. benches in the high high 200s you know and you, that's man. that's for that's for volume of you know one or two reps of course in those days but of course obviously with more reps the weight goes down of course of course so i was talking about how you, you guys made a bowl game this past season seven and six played against utah state so even though you didn't play in the game what was the experience of playing in a game or having your team play in a game that big a big a big stadium like that too something like that what was that experience like as a whole for you and your teammates yeah i mean no doubt i mean sofi stadium is unbelievable and that was we were the first college team to ever play in that stadium, which I thought was a pretty cool, pretty cool deal. And, um, you know, being from California, it was kind of nice to be home and kind of see what it was like playing, you know, in California and that whole deal. And the whole bowl experience, the whole bowl week was, I didn't even really realize that a whole week's dedicated to that and everything that comes along with it. I think that's super cool as well. Um, so that was a really nice surprise. And, um, obviously, I mean, being able to play in that atmosphere and it's definitely inspiring to 
keep striving to play at that level because you see what those stadiums look like. You see what those locker rooms look like. You see how you can go about a daily routine of living in that city and how you would get to the stadium and all that. And I think obviously, you know, the older you get and the more you're in college, you realize like, what does my daily life want to look like? And that's definitely something that I would want to do. We are talking to Oregon State sophomore tight end, JT Byrne, a friend of the show. We haven't spoken to him for two years. Uh, we, we've, we've kind of taken a back, a back end with some of the young recruits. Uh, we've talked to a few of you guys, and we want to get all of you guys back. We want to see where your growth is. Obviously, year in and year out. What was it like? I mean, obviously with COVID, the COVID situation and missing really a full year of college football, just so much going on uh, from what COVID really did. It was a disaster last year. And now it's now all of a sudden COVID's gone. Nobody's even talking about it anymore. Is it is it news to you? Is it crazy over there going through college? I remember I'm sure last year. I, I don't know if you were you were there in college, but I'm sure you were. You you could you probably couldn't have left your dorm. I mean, you couldn't even leave your dorm. Now all of a sudden, you can walk around. You can go to parties. You can go to games. Is it crazy for what you experienced last year to this year? Yeah, no. It's interesting. Is like even from high school, um, getting all your seasons stripped away, especially you know when you're heading out. That was that was probably the toughest pill to swallow because for me, I'm a big guy with clo- like I, I want closure, and and I think that. That's obviously really hard, and for a lot of people, it affected their recruiting. And I think that that that's a bummer because sometimes your high school athletics is the only chance that you have to showcase yourself, let alone even travel athletics. And people weren't even doing that at the time. And even this year, it was crazy um, because there'd be times where it, COVID would be emphasized more so than other times, mm-hmm. and. Um, there would be outbreaks here and there, even on the team. And it's, it's interesting to see how now it's, there's no protocols. There's nothing talked about. And um, I think the crazy thing for me, I was talking to my roommate about this as well, is the fact that it only took two weeks to make it feel like, okay, this is feel like it's been going on forever. Like it feels normal again, like not going into a store without a mask on. It feels (laughs) normal again. It's weird. And it's, we were doing that for two years, but I guess that was such a routine that it only took two weeks for me personally to be like, Oh, okay. It feels normal. I don't even think about wearing a mask anymore. It's crazy. (laughs) So one of the big significant changes that have been coming out since the last time we had you on the show has been now that college players can make money now with the name image and likeness rules that are in place. So is there any endorsements that you have gotten so far at gotten asked about it? And is there anything that you would want to promote either a specific product or even just something that maybe is a hobby of yours? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I've had a couple, you know, I've talked to a couple things and whatnot, but obviously don't want to jump into anything too early. Kind of want to be smart about it. Obviously earn some credibility on the field as well. I think that's super important, um, especially for the company that I want would want to be representing. I mm-hmm. think that's an important thing for them as well. But um, yeah, obviously I think what I would want to do is do something that I can figure out a way to give back to the community in some way. Um, because honestly, when as a college athlete, I know this, pretty well now that I've been in the program, you, you don't necessarily need these deals to stay afloat. Right. They're, they have you covered. You know what I mean? And they're doing, you know, your, your food provided, your housing, a lot is provided for you. And with that being said, I don't feel like I necessarily need to get anything out of it for myself, but if I can do something to help 
other people, whether that be in the Oregon State community or in my community back home or for certain causes that I think are very important for me. For example, my mom is a breast cancer survivor uh-huh. and she's now 12 years cancer free. Congratulations, but, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, you know, she's my hero. She's my inspiration. But I remember going through that time and having such a plethora of friends of support. But I know there's a lot of kids out there that don't have that. And if I could do something to give back to the community, to the children whose parents are going through cancer and be someone that I can talk to them through that or provide food or resources or tutoring, um, I think that would be something because sometimes those kids can go forgotten when obviously it's understandable when someone's going through cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be something that I would really want to strive towards. And whether that be making my own foundation with using my name, image, and likeness or connecting with someone who is doing that already, I would be more than willing to do that because I think that is more important than me benefiting off my name right now. Of course. Because there's no, yeah, because I, don't, I feel like I don't need anything more right now. I'm mm. so grateful to be in the situation I'm in. As everybody knows, we are talking to Oregon State sophomore tight end JT Byrne. Before we let you go, I, you know, because uh, when we had you on last, we asked you silly questions, five questions, and uh, it was great. And a lot of people, we, we actually, I'm actually going to be asking Speedy to put something together like a, a clip page with some of you great recruits and, and your <sighs> answers because I thought it was really, really interesting. And you guys are very interesting kids. And I, I'm so happy for you, man. I'm so happy for your growth and, and where you're going. That right now in Oregon State, and I think you're going to be very successful. I think all you recruits are going to be very successful, and hopefully you get the opportunity to support, be able to support your family in the future playing, you know, NFL football, and that's what your dream is. I'm sure that's a lot of you guys' dream is to to, to make that, that one leap and then make that next leap into an opportunity where you can support your family and take care of your kids. But my question to you is, where do you see yourself in the next three years? It's a good question. Um, so first and foremost, I am on pace to graduate in three years. Uh. So I, I want to graduate early and I've made a point to do that. Um, not only because it's nice to have that degree early on. And I, I kind of want to do that because obviously the main goal of coming to college is to get a degree. So I'm doing that obviously to be ahead of the game in that category. Um, and I think with that being said, I'm also using that as flexibility to just know that if you're eligible to play in the NFL in three years, that's a situation, but also to have my masters covered. And so I see myself trying to win as many games as possible here at Oregon state um, with a degree. And that's kind of, that's kind of the goal. And yeah. Good for you, man. And that's, that's so important because I think these, a lot of these kids, they really just to go. They they take their scholarships. They just go and play college football because they want to, uh, you know, make the money and go into the NFL. And now with the NCAA and some of the offer, you know, you taking offers and making money, you could do a lot of things. You could help a lot of people, like you said, not only your community but people that are in need. And and then when you step on a football field, the NFL field, your your family, your parents will never have to work again. So I I only. Absolutely. I only wish you the best, man. I, I And we want to stay in touch with you. We will be in touch with you as you grow. And I, I want you to be a star, man. All you guys, all you young studs, man, that we talked to, all 50, 60 of you that we interviewed, all of you guys are doing so well. Devin Kirkwood, 
is slowly but surely going to be a starting cornerback this year. And he's bragging about it, let me tell you. I mean, every time I talk to him on social D- media. DBs, lo- DBs love to do that. <laughs> we, have a, we actually have, uh, not only you, we have three other tight ends from the Pac-12 we've interviewed over the years, yeah, too. We got oh, one, from, uh, one from Oregon and Terrence Ferguson. We got one he's from, doing great, too, by the way. We got way. one from yeah. Washington and Chance Bogan that is, uh, I think was the same class as you. And then uh, USC's got one, Lake McCree. Uh, obviously, Lincoln Riley's there now. I don't know if he transferred or not, but uh, but Lake McCree we had on it. Right around the same time as you, so we've gone through yeah, all no, the no, Pac-12, no, no. like you're, you're almost all, every team. You're all very special in, in some kind of way. I mean, your personality, you're very calm and collective. Uh, I mean, Ferguson was very uh, bouncy, smiley. His is a dog man. His dog's barking in the background. Uh, he was he was fun. You all have different personalities, and I think watching you guys grow as men is so special because. Uh, we could see what you guys turn into when you become real men and you get into, you know, even, either you play NFL football or even become, you know, college educated, you know, professors or lawyers or doctors or accountants, whatever the heck you guys decide to become after you're done with football. I think it's amazing and we'll be in touch, man. We really appreciate you joining us. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I appreciate it and appreciate you guys' time to talk to me. Oh, come on, man. We're, we're, we're just excited to get you on, man. And we, like I said, Anytime, man. We, want, we want you to grow, man. And I, I, I wish you nothing but the best. Tell your mother, uh, I, I wish her nothing, the be- nothing but the best. 12 years, cancer-free, many, many more years to come, man. I, I really do appreciate everything that you've done for us, JT. Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys so much and appreciate the show and definitely looking forward to be back on. Thank you, JT. Thank you. JT Burns, ladies and gentlemen, Oregon State sophomore tight end. Good kid. Great kid. Uh, Like I said, Speedy, we we talk to these kids, and they all have different personalities. And, you know, we we can laugh with them. We can do stupid things with them. But all in all, they all shed a different personality. And I think it's just – it's great. And watching these kids from two years ago, I wouldn't have thought it would have taken us two years to reach out to them and actually talk to them. But now after COVID, these kids really didn't get an opportunity to, to see what you know what their season was going to be last year because there was no season. So Yeah, uh, in the case of the Pac-12, theirs was shortened too. So. Yeah, so I, I'm just – I'm very excited to see these kids and how happy dude, – dude, that kid is smart as hell. Uh, nice kid too. Really, really nice kid. And – uh, he's a beast. Six foot six, two hundred and forty five pounds. I mean, that's a big man. Okay, that's a big man. And as he mentioned, all, all the weight. It's all about where the weight is. Nineteen in years all old. different places. Yeah, no, you like that words, right? You like it all different places, right, Speedy? I don't know, but <laughs> I, th- I thought it was unique. Like usually, uh, a kid that a kid like that, you don't see the analysis like that. All but he, different. He, he's, he's learning. He's he's learning and well taking it in. Like uh, like really disciplined. You were definitely. Do you tell. like it in all different? places speedy do you like the i weight? have no idea how my weight distribution is uh, but but do you like it in you know certain spots does it sit well for you my body's fine so i guess uh, sure. sure does I... it does it sit well in you know in your underwear my underwear is not part of my body uh, well but i said does it sit well in your underwear that's what i'm asking I, you right now it does oh, okay that's good <laughs> that's good that's a good sign <laughs> I want to get into this whole Tampa Bay Buccaneers thing because it, it's it's a it's a real big story right now. It really is. And uh, I, I listen. Am I surprised that Bruce Arians is retiring? No. Okay, I am not surprised. But I am kind of surprised that two and a half, three weeks after Tom Brady comes back from retirement, all of a sudden this story comes out that he is. 
Now, to me, I do believe that Tom Brady and Bruce Arians were not getting along on the sidelines. And I, I know there's a lot of mishap conversations that we've seen over the last past season where you see Tom Brady yelling at Bruce Arians because he, he was calling the wrong plays or – uh, you know, and then Bruce Arians yelling at Tom that he was making the wrong throw. Meanwhile, it's Tom Brady. So I, I think uh, I, if if it is true that Tom Brady was coming out of retirement, maybe Tom Brady did reach out to the GM or uh, the ownership of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers say, and said to them, either if I come back, I don't want Bruce Arians as the head coach. I run. I want to run the offense, and I and I think he should be able to. I mean, it's Tom Brady. Uh, he's a magnificent quarterback. He's been a successful quarterback in the NFL. Why does he need Bruce Arians calling the plays at the line of scrimmage when he, you know, he runs ever since they, and we remember when Tom Brady came to the Buccaneers, he was running Bruce Arians offense. And then all of a sudden they started off really, really bad. What did they do in the second half of the season? They moved to the, the Patriots type of offense, short passes, fast passes, using the running backs in, in pass catching plays. And, and that's what it really transitioned to. And the, and the offensive line needed to be rebuilt for Tom Brady. And I, I think that being that Todd Bowles take, took over, and I'm not surprised Todd Bowles got the job. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't know why Byron Leftwich didn't take that Jaguars job. Because if he thought he was going to win that job over Todd Bowles, he's sadly mistaken. Everybody and their mother knew Todd Bowles was going to get that job. That's why he stayed there. He interviewed on a couple of jobs. I think he got offered one or two jobs. And he decided to stay there with the Buccaneers because I knew that he thought he was going to get that job. But it's a crazy story right now that Tom Brady, Speedy, Tom Brady is now there. Todd Bowles is running the defense, and Tom Brady's running the offense. As of right now, I know Byron Leftwich is there, but who do you think Byron Leftwich listens to? Does he listen to his play calling, or does he listen to Tom Brady? Let's be honest. Yeah, I would say Tom Brady still has the majority of the focal point, just like he did with the. Just like he did with the Patriots, even though Josh McDaniels was there, Tom Brady still was calling audibles. He still was controlling the players for the most part. And I think Josh McDaniels was running the offense over I, I would say he had more control than Leftwich did, but I think there were certain stretches where Brady deviated from the game plan, too. And it obviously worked for certain games and worked for big games especially. And there are moments where I'm sure Josh McDaniels' game plans were still more driven where – Guys like Jodis Gray were running for 200 yards against the Colts. But nevertheless, I still think, yeah, Brady's going to definitely get to have the majority when it comes to this offense. Byron Leftwich has learned well from Arians in his time with Arizona, first of all, and then with Tampa as well, that he definitely could be capable of being a head coach. And it's definitely surprising he turned down Jacksonville. But I've mentioned this on previous shows. There might be still some issues with that organization, with the ownership, with the GM, whatever, that maybe shied him away from that. But, yeah, I agree with you where Todd Bowles it seemed like was the next in line for the Buccaneers job. I think he was being groomed by Arians for a while. He was groomed there for the Cardinals. Then he went to the Jets. Then he was being groomed again. And he his defenses, while they have been maybe too blitz-reliant in certain big games – in the past, still has been very good throughout the tenure of his his time there. So getting a second chance now, we'll see if he can overcome some of the issues he's had with the Jets. But again, some of those weren't all his faults either. So it'll be interesting to see how that transforms it. But in terms of Arians, I'm surprised 
I'm surprised he stepped away the way he did. I thought if he were to just retire, he would just retire earlier in the offseason. I think it has a lot to do with the Antonio Brown thing. And I, I, I right. think that the whole thing on the sidelines with Antonio Brown, maybe that pissed off Tom Brady. Maybe Tom Brady had Antonio Brown's back. But after all the stuff that was said on and off, you know, off the camera, Antonio Brown keeps throwing Tom Brady under the bus. Now, if Tom Brady wanted Antonio Brown to come back, does Antonio Brown go back to the Buccaneers? I doubt it. I mean, there are stories coming out that he's interested in going to uh, the Browns now. I've, I've been hearing Deshaun Watson and, and, and Antonio Brown and, and the weapons they have over there. You add him over there uh, with, uh, uh, what's his name again, from the, uh, the, the Cowboys? Uh, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. So I don't know where they're, they're, th- this situation is going to start to trend but it's 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 not it's not going to appear to say you know when you look at the big picture and the story that Tom Brady didn't have something to do with Bruce Arians retiring. I think it has a lot to do with Bruce Arians retirement because if Bruce Arians wasn't going to retire, he I mean if Bruce Arians was going to retire, he should have retired after the season. The fact that he was still there and then all of a sudden Tom Brady comes out of retirement and then he retires. There's something fishy with that. I, I, there has to be something about Tom Brady returning that Bruce Arians had to duck and weave and, 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 and retire from that job. And I don't think Bruce Arians is done. I think if, if a job comes up in, in a warmer climate and it opens up eventually, I, I think Bruce Arians takes another opportunity. He wanted to win a Super Bowl as a head coach. He won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady uh, his first year with Tom Brady. So, uh, But – they have a chance to win this year. Why would you walk away from something like that unless you were forced out of position? So uh, Todd Bowles taking over, does that does that give them a definite opportunity to win a Super Bowl? I think it hurts them because as good as Todd Bowles is as a defensive coordinator, we've seen him as a head coach. And, and listen, he could be different his second time around. We've seen this. This is Josh McDaniels' second time around. It could be different over there with the Vegas uh, Raiders. So... It could it could transition into a different thing, but we've seen this already, and we've seen it a lot. I saw it enough with Todd Balls as a Jet fan. I don't know if he, he's that type of coach that he could take over for an organization, especially a Hall of Fame, top end, number one, possibly the greatest quarterback of all time, and run and, and have that quarterback listen to him when, when, when there's a situation in the middle of the season or at the end of the season when they're losing. I, I don't know if... That's going to happen. So it's a very, very interesting thing, the fact that Todd Bowles is now going to take over. And you know who sent me that when it, when it came out? It was Josh Silverberg. He sent me out uh, the um, Adam Scheffner uh, tweet, and it, it, it happened so fast. And I, I don't think it's coincidence that Tom Brady now is, is going to run that offense. Yeah, it's still surprising, though, considering that I would say Arians was more of that head coach type guy. Now he's taking a front office position, which means he's still going to have say. It's not going to have any say. I I would say he still will just because he has influence on a lot of these players still. A lot not not the players that were there already like Mike Evans that were there for a while, but some of the offensive linemen. They only the- said he was going to take a front office position cuz they didn't want to make him look bad. That's the only reason why they said we'll give you we'll, we'll give you a front office position so it, it doesn't throw him under the bus and all of a sudden he steps down and he retires. I mean, it would make him look really it would make the organization look really really bad. Well, I I I do not believe 
him taking over and, and having a front office position means anything to the team, Tom Brady, and obviously uh, the coaching staff now that he is gone. Well, because the organization had to go through that whole Antonio Brown saga, it put a lot of people in hot water as it was, but Bruce Arians being one of them at that point, if he was indeed forcing him out with the injury if Antonio Brown was hurt during that game. Now, we've been hearing different stories of what he ended up taking. Was it really illegal or not? And Antonio Brown maybe looking worse than it actually was. And that wouldn't be surprising considering what Antonio Brown has been going through the last three years. But nevertheless, I think with him having health issues also going out of Arizona too. Remember- stop. Stop with these health issues. This had nothing to do with it. He would have retired already. When the season ended, he could have retired. He was still in position to be the head coach this year. Tom Brady comes out of retirement and he leaves. You think that's a coincidence? Come on. It has everything to do with Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't want him there. That is the facts. It doesn't make sense. You could sit here and say whatever you want, Speedy. And that's what annoys me about you. You sit here, he got a front office position. I could get a front office position right now. You could say I'm a front office position and I'm not getting paid anything. I'm just sitting there doing nothing. I'm just sitting there. Well, Tom Brady's going to have the most influence regardless. Stop. Stop with this influence stuff. He wanted Bruce Arians out. Period. He didn't want him there. And that's why two and a half weeks after Tom Brady comes out of retirement and everybody is signed, Bruce Arians out. There's no coincidence to it. It's fact. Tom Brady didn't want him there. Now, the other thing that's interesting to connect is these Brady to Miami rumors, too. And And I say that, and I was one of the guys that spreaded the rumor before it was a rumor. Okay, I know. I don't think it's happening. Not right now. Maybe next year, but not right now. I, I, I can't see him jumping ship now that he got what he wanted with Bruce Arians. I can't see him jumping ship. There's no way he's going to jump ship now that he's running the offense. It's, and, I don't, and Byron Leftwich, what a moron, okay? I'm going to say this right now. Byron Leftwich had a chance to be a head coach of the Jacksonville Dragons. I, I know it's Jacksonville. I know the ownership is whacked out of their heads on the way they do things. But he had a chance to coach Trevor Lawrence, an upscale top-end quarterback in the future, and you decided to stay there because you thought you were going to get the job over Todd Bowles. Now you're a laughing stock because now teams are going to look at you just like Josh McDaniels, that you backed out of a job that you accepted just like Josh McDaniels did with Indianapolis, and look how long it took Josh McDaniels to take a job or get a job. It took him, what, six years, <laughs> five years to get another job? And I, this is the same thing that's going to happen to Byron Leftwich. And if Todd Bowles gets fired because Byron Leftwich is the offensive coordinator and this offense doesn't work, which it will with Tom Brady at the helm, well, he's never going to get a head coaching job. So it, it, to me, it's an embarrassment. And I, I, I still think when you look at the big picture – Tom Brady is running that offense. It's not an argument. It's not Bruce Arians. It's not Byron Leftwich. He is now the coach's coach of coaches. Okay? He is running that team. He is going to be running that team. It's Tom Brady's team, and that's it. Why would he go to Miami? Because Miami, they have a new coach, new players. Tyreek Hill, yeah. It's I think next year makes more sense. Tom Brady has a chance to be the quarterback, the coach, the everything over there with Tampa Bay. If he can win a Super Bowl again, running the organization as as the guy, the man on every factor of the game, then that's what Tom Brady's going to do. And Tom Brady, I'm, I'm not surprised that this happened. As far as this Bobby Wagner thing, okay, 
I, when I heard before the show, I heard that Bobby Wagner signed with the Rams. I, it, it, it's to me, it's misleading, and to me, it upsets me because I, I like that Bobby Wagner went to a Super Bowl contending team, the team that won the Super Bowl last year. It's great, but what it does is it makes the NFL all about powerhouse teams. We've seen this with the, the, the Raiders now. We've seen this with the Chargers. We've seen this over the years with San Francisco. It, it, to me, even the Cowboys have been trying to do it for years. It doesn't work for them, but they've been trying to do it for years too. It, it, it bothers me that the rich only get richer, and the poor will always be poor. It seems like it. And, I, and I'm talking about, yeah, the teams like the Jets – the teams like the Detroit Lions, the teams like uh, the Browns, who, you know, obviously they've done well for themselves the last couple of years, but they're, you know, they've been a poor organization. I don't mean by, you know, money. I just think that they don't get the players that could change an organization or they have to overpay, like Jeff says. Because you're an organization that don't win, you have to overpay, you have to overpay for players. So it bothers me, yes. That Bobby Wagner took a five-year, $50 million contract with the Rams where there were seven or eight teams that I heard that were offering him a little bit more to go to their organization. But he thought they weren't quality and they weren't quality qualifying to win. So he decided to go to a qualified team. So I'm not surprised that he took the Rams. I'm surprised at, to see where the situation is and, and how the situation has fall to, situation has fall together so well for these teams like the Rams. Yeah, it's definitely become top-heavy, especially in the NFC, where they're all trying to bolster up to beat each other now, the four teams that we were talking about, and in the NFC West, too, the, the competition. now. Seattle- Green Bay's not bolstering anything because they, they overpaid for Aaron Rodgers. The only reason why they'll be in the mix because Aaron Rodgers is that damn good. That's right. it. Yeah, and I think when you're you're just judging a powerhouse discrepancy, like you were talking about with Travis, with the AFC now being that kind of thing, it's kind of turning into the NBA to an extent where the Western Conference was good, so good for 18, 19 years, and now all of a sudden you're seeing it transform into the East. Meanwhile, the East was the better conference in the 90s, so you're kind of seeing that kind of transformation now, and Bobby Wagner is kind of seeing that. I also think, too, he probably wanted to stick it to the Seahawks, too. We saw Richard Sherman do that when he signed with the 49ers and then played against them in the NFC West uh, in, in the NFC, that division, when they both made the playoffs and Richard Sherman decided to stick it to them. I think the Seahawks are going through a lot of these ugly fallouts, too, where it looked like they were such a stable organization for a while. Now Russell Wilson leaving on kind of sour terms, getting traded to the Broncos. Richard Sherman definitely left on sour terms, and now you're seeing it with Bobby Wagner, too. And even some of the players that aren't on te- current teams right now, they all just left in certain ways that are, are like that. But the Rams now, they trade Robert Woods to shed a lot of that money, $15 million. They bring in Allen Robinson to replace him, essentially. So now Bobby Wagner, they're kind of getting that value similarly done where the Rams also fill the middle of the field, the biggest need for them, too, on defense. They had some safety injuries. They had some linebackers step up at random times, but nothing like Bobby Wagner, who's been an eight-time Pro Bowler and an all-pro player. So nothing. So the Rams, just, yeah, you're right. They get richer. <clears throat> no, and, I, and listen, I'm reading what Jeff is saying. He says he accepted the Jacksonville job. Then after the fact, they wouldn't let him hire his own staff. They tried to force people on him, and he didn't want that, so they gave the job to Peterson. That's fine, okay? But to me, we don't know the full story behind it, Jeff. I mean, obviously that's the story that came out. But even though he could have taken the staff that they were going to give him, and if he didn't like that staff at the end of the season, he could have fired him. 
He is the coach. He has the uh, the capabilities to fire them. Now, to me, what bothers me about this whole Bobby Wagner thing is is it, there is we know what the balance of power is in the NFL. We know it is in we know what it is in the NFC, and we know the AFC is stacked, and it's going to be all over the place this year. It's it's going to be crazy this year in the AFC, and the only division that it, it, we know where it's it, there's no sure thing, and we said it the other day, the AFC East. There is no sure thing on who's going to win the AFC East because even though Buffalo might be the better team on paper. I, I still think they got weaker from last year. And 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 the New England Patriots, they're still the same team they were last year. And then the, the Jets are a little bit better. The Miami Dolphins are a little bit better. You just don't know who's going to win that division, even though the balance of power would, would tell you that it's the Buffalo Bills. So it's... I, I it, it's disturbing to me when you look at all these talented players and these talented teams and these talented quarterbacks and where the AFC is going to be for the next two or three years. Who do we got, Speedy? We got Jeff. Jeff, what's going on? All right. You are so off base. It's ridiculous. The coach is not a person who fires people. You can't just say, oh, we'll take the staff they force on you and then fire them after you. Head coaches aren't the people that hire and fire. The front office is. And if they're the ones forcing the staff upon you, you're stuck with them. You're stuck with them. Even a good football mind like C.J. Simone understands that. You can't take a job when people are trying to force a staff on you. As a head coach, generally, you should be able to pick your own staff. That's why he didn't take that job. It wasn't because, oh, he went back to the Bucks because he thought he was going to get that job. You're Dumb. I'm not dumb because if you see it and you see you get an offer to have a head coaching job, you take it. You run with no. it because no, you're never. No, how do you know no. you're going to get another offer? Hold on one second, Jeff. How do you know another team's going to give you another offer? Because right now you're going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, you have an old Tom Brady running the right now running the offense. You have Byron Leftwich now, you know, kissing his ass, and then Todd Bowles running the running the defense, and he's the head coach. What makes you think that that team is going to be successful? this year without Bruce Arians. There's no guarantees to that. And if he fails over there, if both of them fail over there, it's going to be harder for him to get a job, especially when he's an African-American. First of all, the whole failure thing is ridiculous because he's already won a Super Bowl with the with the Bucks. He's still going to have a – because Brady's there, he's still probably going to have a pretty good season. But going back to your original point, mm-hmm. no – you don't accept the staff. How many African how many African Americans are coaching right now? Uh four? How many African Americans? Yeah, I think there was four because it was it was three. It was three after the last tire with Lovey Smith. Lovey, so Lovey, Lovey Smith, Mike mm-hmm. Tomlin, Mike McDaniel. We all know why Lovey Smith got that job because he's not going to be there long. But okay, Lovey Smith. Right, right. Yes. I mean, well, doesn't matter. He's there as a coach. Fine. But Fine. again, circling back to the original point, you. If you don't think that you're going to get a job if you do a bad job with with Tampa this year, how many more jobs do you think you're going to get if you're a one-and-done head coach with Jacksonville because you had a staff forced upon you? That's setting yourself up to fail. Jeff. Look Look how long it took Josh McDaniels to get another job. 
Jeff, let's look at it. Byron Leftwich. if you are not going to let him pick his coaching staff, it means you don't trust him. So why would you think another team, another organization is going to trust him, especially knowing that we, we've been talking about this all the time. A lot of these owners are racist, okay? They don't want, these, they don't want black coaches in the NFL. So if we know that and we see that, Byron Leftwich, finally, Byron, Le- Byron Leftwich gets offered a job with his old team, and he doesn't take it, how many teams do you think is going to offer him a job? Okay? Not many. Listen, those jobs open up every year, right? We've been saying the same thing. Eric Bieniemy, Where right. is he? Why doesn't he get a job? Well, he gets offered jobs every year. He interviews for jobs every year. Yeah, but, but he doesn't so get I'm the sure job. Byron Lef- he doesn't get the so job. I'm sure Byron, right. Well, I'm sure Byron Leftwich going forward will still get offered more jobs. He does a pretty good job. And ever since he's been hired with Tampa and running the offense there, he's done a really good job. I'm yes. gonna, I, that's fine. He's he's done a very good job when Tom Brady was there. When Tom Brady wasn't there, let's be honest, he hasn't done he a great also, job. He also listen. He also did a fairly good job with with Jameis Winston. If it weren't for all the interceptions that he threw, that was a pretty well run offense. And you can't really help how stupid Jameis is. That is what it is. <laughs> I look at I look at Byron Leftwich being that he got an offer at a job at a place that he used to play, and, and looking at all the NFL teams and yes, their jobs that open up. It's yeah. disingenuous because it's not a real offer. A real job offer is a real job offer, like every other coaching job where they go, okay, you're the coach, pick your staff. And so saying that he got offered that job is disingenuous. They said, well, we'll let you coach the team, but we get to pick everyone else. It's not a real job offer. Uh, Snook says, Bruce Arians looks like he might have a heart attack any second with that bright red face on the sideline. Tom Brady gets traded for Geno Smith. The league is stunned. Uh, CJ says, Bruce Arians is going to be a puppet or a fall guy this if this season goes south for the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was it enough won't. to make Leftwich won't, want no. to commit to Jacksonville. Uh, They're so, in a division that's winnable, so that, that, that it won't. But are they going to win anything? I, I don't know. Snug says, well, Tom Brady is the GOAT, so we should have no issue playing coaching, and, or he should have no issue playing and running the organization. All hail the Brady GOAT. Uh, CJ says, uh, that sounds like exactly what Mike McCagnon did when they had Matt Rule in the building. No wonder he walked. I would have, too. Why would you not want to let a coach hire his own staff? Mm-hmm. Makes no CJ sense. CJ gets it. CJ gets it. <laughs> CJ gets it. But here's the thing, and I'm, I'm going to go back to it. Matt Rule is a different, you know, ethnic, you know, he has a different ethnic background. He is a white man, and he was going to get another job. He was going to get what, another offer. Thing. How Here's many How many times are you going to see? I'm telling you right now, Byron Leftwich will not be offered another job for at least four years. For at least four wow. years. I'm telling you, he's not going to get another job. Listen, that, that could happen, but it also might not happen. So saying that's ridiculous. And, and race has nothing to do with Oh, yes, it does. In the NFL, you know it does. You know it does. You know it does. As far as getting a head coaching job, yes. But it's also happened equally to white people. Yes. It has people of color. Yes. That people have come in and said, because he's making the point with Matt Rule saying, that's what the Jets did to Matt Rule. You can come and coach the team, but we picked the staff. And Matt Rule said, go pound sand. I'm not doing that. Yeah, it didn't work over there at Carolina either when he picked his staff. So Right. That, uh, right. But, right, but that, that should be a coach. I, I got uh, you. Choice. That, should, that should be their own mistake. I'm not going to gonna argue and with you. shouldn't be forced with people that you don't jive with or click with or whatever, because if it's going to be a bad working relationship, how's the team supposed to succeed? I'm not going to argue with that. I, I'm not, but I, I look at Byron Leftwich. If, if you know that you're getting, you're finally getting an offer to a head coaching job, I would have taken it. I would have taken it. I would have ride with it. 
And I, but they're with, setting you up to fail. Not necessarily. Up, not necessarily. Are, unless you're picking your own coaching staff, it's setting you up to fail. That's not necessarily true, Jeff. I mean, we've seen we've seen coaches succeed when when they didn't pick their coaching staff. It all depends on how you coach. It all depends what, on what if, who your quarterback what if, is. What if what if uh, WFAN came to you and yeah. said, "Oh, listen, we love your show and yeah. you can run it, but we're going to pick everyone around you." Mm-hmm. That's which which they usually do, by the way. That's what right. usually radio stations right, but, do. Right, but they love the, you, the, the, but you you can't have this guy. And then you you tell them, well, you know, well then fly the fly most, guy. The most usually. successful radio show on the planet yeah. did it the other way, where the lead guy got to pick everybody. And when they were like, we're going to give you this person, he told them to go pound sand, and he's still the most successful radio personality on the planet. Who's that? Howard Stern. Yeah, well, Howard Stern's a different radio guy, and 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 to be to me, radios, radios, radio. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and but it's a different kind of radio, it Jeff. It's right, a different kind he, of radio. Right, but he had his team. Yeah, and he stuck by him, and it and it's what has made that show have the longevity. If they if they had just given him some puppet like yeah. you to talk to every day, it probably doesn't work the way it does with that group of people, which is exactly the same way as a coaching staff. Well, first of all, I'm not a puppet. Second of all, I uh, take it for what it's worth. I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I, I, I'm not a dummy. I'm just sitting here right now, and if I was Byron Leftwich and I finally got a coaching job that I wanted, and he wanted that job, I would you have taken it. That that- you don't think that that would feel like that's of course, Jeff. But knowing that I, I, I finally got a coaching position, and I could, I could change that organization because if I get Trevor Lawrence and I develop Trevor Lawrence, eventually that the the ownership is going to trust me. And then if I want to fire this guy, I want to fire that guy. They'll listen to me. Not if those people are the organization's people. That's not necessarily true. Mm. Well, it also depends on the organization, too, because somebody— but you do what Brian Flores did. <laughs> you leave. I mean, and that's— that's... Uh, And by the way, that's the other reason why Brady isn't going to, which you totally skipped over when you're talking what? about Brady going to Miami. Oh, it's not going to go because the, the whole new team. No, it's not going to work because that's the exact reason why Brian Flores says he lost his job is because the owner tried to make him tamper with Brady before the season was over. So then if it actually turned around and happened— you're basically confirming the Brian Flores lawsuit. Yeah, and, and that could happen. We don't we don't know the whole situation, but it's not it's not crazy to see that Tom Brady, where he bought his house, is between Miami and Tampa. So uh, now that doesn't mean right, anything. That, could, that doesn't mean anything. Right, but, yes, that right, doesn't but, mean but, anything. But listen, but listen, let's let's be honest here. And listen, it's a great piece of property on the billionaire's bunker there, yeah. uh, with Indian Creek yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yes, he did buy that property, but a there's no house built. He still has to build a house. Right. And but B, dude, he owns houses in L.A. Did he play in L.A.? No. He mm. owns like five condos in New York. Did he play in New York? No. Like they own property everywhere. No, and that I, seems I, I to get kind to be what they do on the side. No, and that's that's fine. I, I just I'm looking at the whole <laughs> the, the the whole uh, Byron Leftwich thing. If I was Byron Lev, if I was Byron Leftwich, I would have taken the job because I have a, a, a to me almost a sure thing quarterback where I can help you know relate to and help build. And then if he becomes a superstar in this league, even if it doesn't work in Jacksonville, another team is going to give me an opportunity to work with another young right, but, quarterback. Right, but they screwed Byron Leftwich over though. Because Probably they didn't did. Te- no, because they didn't tell him about, oh, we're going to hire the staff for you until basically after he agreed. So he said, yes, oh, yes, I'll take the job, assuming 
that it's going to be a normal situation. And then after he accepted it, that's when they hit him with, well, then we pick the staff. And then he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa what, are you, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing to me? That's, mm. You can't do that. And then they said, oh, you're not interested? Great. Six hours later, they hired Peterson. Yeah, and does Peterson get to pick, pick his own uh, staff? Yes. Yes, he did. So why wouldn't they give Byron Leftwich an opportunity to pick his own staff then? Because they don't trust him. Because they don't Who trust knows? him. Because they don't well, trust then, him. If they don't, then if they don't trust him, then they shouldn't offer them the job. So, and, and, and when teams look at that, they're going to say, well, Jacksonville, which is a very bad organization, <laughs> yeah. why wouldn't Jacksonville give him the opportunity to pick his own coaching staff? Uh, there has to be a problem. There has to be a thought behind that's, it. So that's a you, great question. Yeah. But no, the normal protocol is you hire the coach. And everything's department. Yeah. Just look at it like mm-hmm. that. Everything. Of like, course. There's a football department. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he, he runs the football department, mm-hmm. but there's a guy over him overseeing that sort of stuff. And all the shit rolls downhill. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. So, and the coach gets to pick the staff. It would bother me if I know where I am at and I position myself as a head coach or I want to be a head coach and it doesn't work. It, I, I, it kind of – I fall out of suit for that position. And now now you look at Tom Brady. Yes, he comes back to Tampa. Yes, he's – Byron Leftwich gets to coach him, gets to be his offensive coordinator. If it fails there, if it just falls apart there, maybe because of age, maybe because Todd Bowles isn't the right guy – if it fails, it hurts his opportunity to get another job, Jeff. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, 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 it may, it may not, because a lot of people will go, "Oh, well, fine." Time finally caught up to Tom Brady. That can be a lot of it. No one's, dude. First of all, the Bucks had a great season last year. Yeah, they did, and would, and 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 would have probably gone further if you know uh, Godwin had played and Antonio Brown wasn't bananas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, like, right, like yeah. they and their and their whole secondary is hurt, right? Sure. Like their whole secondary last year was gone, and they still came within uh, thirty points. seconds, thirty seconds of beating uh, the Rams, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They were down and came back. Like the, what he's doing is, and the year before they won a Super Bowl, so like it's going to be fine there. It is what it is. They'll find some more pieces. I'm sure Tyler Johnson's the guy that emerges. And Leftwich is going to look good again. They also signed Russell Gage too. Yeah, I, I, another. Uh, by the way, underrated player. That dude can actually play. It's too bad that he was stuck in Atlanta for all. Well, he's time. not really a number one. He was stuck there because of what happened with Ridley during the season. So great. he, he they, was kind of stuck great, being there. But he was good as a three type receiver. One. No, no, great. the Bucks they don't need, need that. Him. No, no, they have one. They have Evans, and now right. they have uh, Chris. This is, why, this is why I don't understand the point of going. Well, he's not a number one. Well, fuck you. The Bucks have two number ones. Who said that he's not a number one? <clears throat> Speedy just oh. was like, oh. Well, well no, but he, str- yeah, he struggled at certain points because the, they have two number they ones. They were stuck in that. Godwin's a number, a number one, one yeah. and so, so is Evans here. Yeah. two shits if Russell Gage isn't a number one? Good thing they don't need that, huh? Snug says, Howard Stern is the man. He broke the mold and changed radio forever. He did. CJ said facts. Mm-hmm. And then Snug says, taking a job in Jacksonville is a much higher risk for a first-time head coach than a lot of other teams. Left, left which was wise not to take the job and wait for a slightly better situation, a.k.a. Pitching, picking his own staff. And, and, and I agree with you, uh, Snug, but here's the thing. Beggars can't be choosers, especially if you're Byron Leftwich. And Byron Leftwich gets an offer. He's, he's never been offered another job. He's never been he's, offered he's another. Not, he's interviewed for how many, how many times has he interviewed for a job? One. Eight? No, one. eight. The year before that, he was interviewing jobs. 
No. Yes. Yeah, def- he definitely was some. Yes, I don't he know was. if it was eight, but it was definitely No, some. in the last two years, it's been, I think it was like seven or eight. Oh, in last the last two, two years. Two okay. years okay. He's interviewed for jobs. Yes, he has, Jeff. And he's never been offered a job. And then finally gets offered a job. Yes, he should have been offered with, with his coaching staff, but he wasn't. How many times do you get offered an NFL job? How many NFL teams there are? But then that's not a real offer, though. You're not being treated like the You're right. coaches. You're so right. I agree with offer. you, Jeff. I'm not arguing with you on that. Right, so you keep going back to, well, he got offered the job. Well, not really. They tried to screw him over. Well, it's also, too, the Jaguars are not in a position where they can really be stubborn like that either because of all the bad coaches they've gone through, too. Now, there, there were some good ones in between. I thought Doug Marone was still a pretty good coach there in that 2017 season. Uh, Jack Del Rio before that had a couple playoff appearances with them. But, so, but, but still, Jacksonville, the way they've been with a team that's had some talented players and all of them leaving all at once can't afford to be all of a sudden that picky as a result. Now, Byron left was off to take his chances with maybe some unknowns that could emerge for new coaching positions that could come. And by that- the way, by the way, there's a, there's a rumor right now and it's getting hot right now. DK Metcalf to Kansas city. Wow. That's what I'm hearing right now. Mm-hmm. So they're in long and, talks right now about that. And, and not for nothing circling back to the, the head coaching job. Uh, there's a part of me, and listen, who knows if it's real or not, but there's a real part of me that thinks that the, that the whole thing with Byron Leftwich in Jacksonville was a smokescreen because the way they hired Doug Peterson too quickly right after that fell apart and all of a sudden he just happened to be in Jacksonville, pretty convenient, right? Yeah, absolutely. And may, maybe it seems may, to me like a pretty convenient way to circumvent the Rooney rule there. Maybe he was. Maybe they were forcing Doug Peterson on him. Maybe that was it. Maybe that was the answer to that. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know what the Jacksonville Jaguars were thinking. But uh, listen, whatever the case is, I just I feel bad for Byron Leftwich. But we saw don't, what happened. Don't feel to Jim- bad. He's got a Super Bowl ring. Mm. I, I and feel he's bit, going back to that situation. He's going back to a situation that might not be a situation anymore. You don't know what that situation is going to be this year. I know Tom it's Brady's the same there. coaching staff minus Bruce Arians, who, by the way, all the players hated. Yeah, I understand that. It's just it's it's an interesting thing when you look at the big picture, where the position is, and how the position is set. So, I I I think. Moving forward, I would like to see, you know, obviously I think Tom Brady's running that offense. I, I don't I think Byron Leftwich will be answering to Tom Brady, not Tom I mean, Brady. Did you watch the past, did you did you watch the past two seasons? He yeah. already was running that offense. No, I, I understand that. But that, and that's the problem. I, maybe that's why Jacksonville didn't trust him to to run the organization right, because listen, you had Tom Brady as your as your quarterback. <laughs> Anybody could be the offensive coordinator under Tom Brady. So it, it, that that might be it. That might be the reason why Jacksonville didn't trust him on pick, picking the coaching staff. That's the other risk that could be run, though, too. Because if Brady is only there for one more year, let's say they two do, more years, I think he's going to be there. I for think he will years. too. But I'm just saying, if he's if he is only there for one more year, because it was a one year contract, yeah. and then they're stuck it wasn't, with him, but okay, and then they're stuck with a rookie that maybe he hasn't developed right because Tampa's too good. They might not be able to draft somebody, or they have one. They drafted one already. Oh, you're, uh, you're talking about Trask? They, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they drafted Kyle Trask. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right, CJ, your was boy still has some hope. Pick? No, he wasn't. He was a second. But 
I get all right. If they if they trust actually, him, actually, no, he was a first round pick. They picked him with the last pick in the first round. No, they picked uh, Tyron, the pass rusher. Joe Tryon was the first round. Oh, pick. it was the second round pick. Was the second usually, round pick. when you draft a second round pick, they're usually their future. I thought he was at the end of the first. No, round. that was Joe Tryon, the uh, pass rusher. No, the Trask Washington was the second rusher. round pick. Trask was their second round pick. Oh, yes, man, I got it backwards. Yeah. yeah, but but let's say that doesn't work over there. Where Still he a second develop. round pick. He's the future. It makes him. It makes it more of an unknown commodity too. And two years from now, you might not know what kind of vacancies are available. Now, now we can kind of anticipate. Like Seattle's probably going to be available with Pete Carroll retiring. But the vac- but the vacancy doesn't matter, right? The vacancy doesn't matter because if the job is open, generally the team is shit, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's only the situation and the players that you take into account because it's not like Jacksonville. Uh, was a good situation. They no. just—they just had their coach getting lap dances at his own bar in public. Like that, <laughs> the whole—they just had a, the head coach kicking the kicker, mm. right? And that situation is shit. What they win? Two games last year. One game. How many games? Did they they won two games, but they kept—they uh, won three games. They kept the Jackson. Uh, they kept the <clears throat> Buffalo Bills from getting a home game in the playoffs by somehow right, winning like, nine to six, and they spoiled the Colts out of the playoffs. Like let's be on, like let's be honest. Almost every job that opens is shit. Right. So not, it doesn't matter if, the, if, if if your shit is in Minnesota or if your shit is in Chicago or if your shit is in Jacksonville. It's all still shit. Uh, Carl says, essentially... Well, Denver, Errol... Denver wasn't a shit team. Uh, okay, <laughs> Denver, when, when Nathan... Uh, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett took over that team. That team was not a shit team. That team was is ready, you know, built. They just needed a quarterback. And now they got That's one with Russell Wilson. That is that is a shit situation. That team is a walking ICU. <laughs> Everybody was hurt. Everybody <laughs> continues to get hurt. But they're what talented. They're they're not a talented team. They're very Great. talented. They're, team. The, they're the most talented team in the burn unit at the hospital, aren't they? <laughs> Carl says essentially, Errol is saying if you have a chance to take a job, you go for it. Yeah, just that's like, what I think too. Just yeah. like when you have the chance to fire Tyler, you pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to the second part of that. Not not every job is created equal. It's not. It's not created. That's why you see people turn down jobs. Jeff, I'm not going to argue with you. But if I sit back and I say to myself, hmm, if I was Byron Lefwich and I'm getting offered a coaching job and they're paying me four or five million dollars a year to do what my dream was when I took over as an offensive coordinator. I'm sorry. I'm going to take the job. I'm going to try to build this kid into a successful quarterback. And even if it doesn't work there, everybody's going to see the growth of what I did for that quarterback. And then I can work with a young quarterback. Let's just just use the other example that you brought up, right? Mm -hmm. Lovey Smith. Mm -hmm. Lovey Smith. And you went, oh, God, he's going to be there one year and he's gone. We talk about that all the time, yeah. Hold on. Right. But Byron Leftwich doesn't want that. Byron Leftwich, because he's young and he wants to, you know, be stable and and prove that he can win, doesn't want to go to a situation where after one season they can shit can him and move on. He yes. wants to be in a stable place, so he wants to pick his own staff. He doesn't want to have staff forced upon him, where if there's one hiccup that goes on, they shit-can him and hire the person they really wanted to hire. All right, That's so, so staff. All right, so let's say, let's say they push Doug Peterson on him. Is that really that bad? If, you're, if you're, you're coaching the team and Doug Peterson's your offensive corner, is that really that bad? Because that's probably it's, what it's, they it's meant. All about- it's all about working relationships. I understand. I understand that, but is it some really? Some people play well with others, and some people don't. And if you don't get along with the person, how do you think that working relationship? That's go? fine. Fine. Well, do you, how do you do know? You how do you? How do you, do you know that wouldn't have worked? How do you know that wouldn't have worked? 
because Byron Leftwich didn't want it. That was what he was protesting. Whoever they were trying to force on him, he didn't want. Like, do you think it's just going to be all peaches and cream if Antonio Brown walks in the Bucks locker room tomorrow? Or do you think they're all going to be like, dude, you left us high and dry? That's bullshit. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Antonio Brown shows up next year on the t- Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I know it's not going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised now that Bruce Arians is gone. Well, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen. I know well, it's, no, not no, it's not going to happen for a, for a variety of reasons, not the least of which homeboy needs ankle surgery, and he has already said he's not getting that surgery until a team signs him. So mm-hmm. no one's going to sign him to bring in that cancer, only to have him sit out half the season because that chucklehead needs surgery. <laughs> chucklehead. <laughs> It, it's crazy. Well, you could always sign him and say, "Listen, we're not paying you until your surgery's up." You know, they could put that in. Can't you put that in the contract? Which Antonio Brown probably won't take anyway. Can't you put that in the contract? No. There's still know. a certain amount of guaranteed money now. Contract. Yeah. If you sign someone, right? If you sign someone, you're, they're on your roster. Like, if that's what you're going to do, you don't sign someone so so other teams can't take them. And then when he's healthy, maybe or maybe not, you'll play him. You're signing the dude. The other thing is, can, is Antonio Brown going to really take that kind of situation? And is there one situation where it would be like, all right, uh, I'll go here. Is there somewhere that he's that itching to go to where he'll say, let's do that? I don't know about that. If that had situation, one, it would have happened already, I think. There's only two situations that that he could possibly go to. There's only two. And it's going to be Baltimore because of Lamar Jackson. And he knows the Browns have heard, too. Well, Dallas. They love the mentally ill in Dallas. <laughs> they love it. Are you kidding? Jerry Jones is literally running an asylum, and no one has noticed. And the Browns. I, I could see him going to the Browns. That's that's the story right now. That the that's Browns... just what they need. 22 rape accusations, and then that knucklehead coming in. <laughs> that would be the ultimate, like, uh, boomer, really back to classic Browns explosion. <laughs> Which, by the way, yeah, Deshaun a- Watson has spoke out, and he has said that he's going to prove that he's innocent on all charges. Which, yeah, I- that's that's why when we saw the deposition and him taking the fifth and pleading the fifth when they were asking him tough questions, real good look. I'm I'm just telling you what he said. He's going to prove that he's not guilty. I don't know how he's going to prove yeah, that. Did you see his introductory? No, I haven't. I I didn't see it the was inter- a funeral. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what he said, but I heard. The one thing I did hear in, in, in his, his up, you know, his his new press conference is that he wants to prove that he's a hundred percent innocent. So, yeah, the I organization know. didn't look great either with the, uh, the statement they made on Twitter. What was that? I, I bet you. I bet they you really know. weren't like like going. They weren't really protecting any of the the victims, like even apologizing to them. They really just were saying like Deshaun is. We did our research on this. We we did a thorough investigation. Yeah, okay, you could cover that kind of thing right. up too. So right, whether right. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson is truthful or not, the organization still has some stenches in it too. Well, I, I'll, bet you, yeah. I'll bet you a million dollars Deshaun Watson hires the same private investigators OJ hired to find the real killers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm not surprised, and I, and I believe Deshaun Watson, one way or another, will pay off these girls and move on with his career. I I, I do believe that's what's going to happen. He got a lot of money from the Browns. There was a reason why he got a lot of money from the Browns. Take fifty million, pay off for these women, leave me alone, and, and move on. He's going to get another contract. I mean, what is he? Twenty eight years old. 
He signed what a five-year five deal. Five years, two thirty, two hundred. He's going to get another con- if he's playing at the top of his game. He's probably going to get another contract, at least a three or four-year contract. He'll make that money back in his next contract. I, I think. Uh, I think that's what's going to happen. He's going to pay these girls off to leave him alone, and he's gonna, then he's going to he's going to claim that he's innocent. But the truth is, just like Greg Hardy is, we know he's not innocent. He just paid him off. He paid his girlfriend off not to show up to court, so he gets off, and that's why that's why he paid her off. I don't. We, and nobody knows how much he gave her. So that'll be interesting to judge too, because it's a quarterback versus a a, a pass rusher. Now, not that the pass rushers aren't important, but the quarterback you want the franchise quarterback, especially in today's league, like we were talking about earlier with Travis. Like if you don't have that young guy, that young promising guy, it's very hard to be able to win, especially in the AFC that's very loaded. That's so, why Baker is is such an it's such an interesting story with. Right. Baker Mayfield and where Baker is going to go because Baker's going to be dangled around and and I I don't know if before the season starts he's going to be playing for another team or he'll be a Brown but before before uh, week six or week seven because we all know it, Roger Goodell said already that that Deshaun Watson will be seeing discipline right so if that's the case it's probably going to be five to six games so why. Wouldn't you bring Baker Mayfield back when you already franchise? I mean, you can't franchise another player nope. if you trade him. I know, I know. Brave Roger Goodell and his his amazing. No, uh, listen, don't get me started about from, Roger Goodell. Oh, uh, you all know I, I about know, what I think about yeah, Roger. I don't Goodell. know if you missed the Dan Snyder story today, but that dude's selling the team. Is he? One hundred percent, he's selling team. He's going to federal prison. Mm. Oh, yeah, good riddance. You didn't, you didn't see the story. No, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> yes. it's easy. It's easy to get Dan Snyder stories. Uh, get it, get it. New one every day. It seems like all yes, that team's they, passed at him and all that. Yeah. Yes, they're having a congressional investigation now into Dan Snyder because a team employee went to Congress and told them, yeah, he lied to everybody. He keeps two sets of books. So he can pay less taxes and lie about things. Right. That is federal prison time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, this uh, CBS Sports says Roger Goodell says Tanya Snyder will continue to represent Commanders as Dan Snyder keeps distance from the team. And yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, and he hasn't been at the facility at all. And only, as long as she owns there. the team and she's running the team, he owns the team. Cause so she's running the team, yes, but she's answering to him, and we yeah, all know. I know that. Dan Snyder is going to be in the federal pen, uh, <laughs> owning the longest yard. You know, he, gets, he, he gets Brucey and caretaker. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is funny, but uh, Dan Snyder—it's it, crazy how he's not in jail yet. I mean, seriously. Of all the things that he has done all, under his reign as the, as the owner of an organization. And, and listen, the guy is a su- successful businessman. I mean, he's a billionaire. So he, he's not stupid. I mean, obviously. He's not a successful businessman. He inherited that wealth. That's fine. But he's still a billionaire, right? He could have just thrown his money away. He's still a billionaire. Yeah, by stealing. All right. And that's a lot of these owners. You think Donald I, and, Trump and, didn't and, steal? And, and, you don't on, think Donald on, Trump didn't steal? Well, I'm not mentioning anything about him. But, okay. But let's, right. let's, let's, let's ask you what your definition of successful is. I don't know. Is it running a franchise and taking pictures of your cheerleaders and making them hook yeah. and do all of those kind of things? Is that run? Is that a successful businessman, or is that just an absolute fucking job? I never listen. I never said I like Don uh, Dan Steiner. I'm just saying that when I look at businessmen and rich businessmen, 
most of these rich people, there's a reason why they're rich, okay? Yeah, they inherited it. Not, they either inherited it or they cheated or they, they ripped people off. They didn't pay their yeah, taxes. They're, the, they're the lucky sperm that won the race. Who cares? Like, that's like, it, it doesn't make them a good person or. Whatever. I never said that Dan Schneider was a good kind person. Of a giant piece of garbage. I never said I like Dan Schneider. I, Dan I never. Dan Schneider is one level above Tyler. <laughs> is that a good thing or a bad thing? No, that's in the basement. That's that's. What so you're that saying? Is. Are you saying that Tyler is a better man than Dan Schneider? No, 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 no. He's definitely ranks below Dan Schneider. <laughs> really? He's really oh, that. 100%. Oh man! <laughs> oh, yeah. How could you even put? I, I I'm very surprised with you, Jeff. I mean, what, Dan... Captain Grubhub. <laughs> Grubhub. I think Dan Schneider is a lot worse than Tyler, man. I mean, Dan Schneider has done a lot of ruthless things. Here's another article. This is from Fan Nation. Washington Commander's investigation now being also investigated for financial improprieties as well. He was they're splitting the money two different ways, but both NFL like their salary cap and what is made from the the merchandising and yes, he kept two sets of books, Speedy. Yes, he was evading taxes. Right. So, yeah, that definitely And by the way, helps not a small amount of taxes either. Probably hundreds of millions of dollars in taxes. Yes, absolutely. Why would he do that? Because obviously every million dollars you have to spend a hundred, like what is it? Every million dollars you have to spend 80 or something like that. So you do the math. If he if if he's making 100 million dollars every 2-3 years in you know with uh, you know all the different things that he's selling in the stadium and stuff like that and you're 80 times 100 80 times 100 is what? You know, it, it, so 80,000 times 100 is what? I don't know. 800,000, 80 million? I think something no, like that. No, is it? No, no, it's it's 8 million, right? 8 million. It's okay. 8 million. So it's $8 million that he is not paying taxes to. That's a lot of money. And then, uh, no, no, it, it, would be, it would be 80 million, I think, right? Oh, no, 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 no. If it's $100 million. And he's in, and he has to pay eight percent or nine percent of that. Oh, eight percent. Yes. Oh, eight percent. Uh, yeah, that's that would be. Yeah, it's eight million dollars. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. it would be eight million dollars. So he is. But you were saying eighty thousand times a hundred, which would be eighty million. No, I, yeah, I did it wrong. I did times eight, not point eight. Yeah, uh, but this article also says, according to the Washington Post, well, that's what I, 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 I was wrong with the math over there. But it's about eight million dollars that he is he's stealing every hundred million dollars that he is. Even, yeah. But it's not even just that. He was probably trying to drive down the the uh, optics of what he makes. So when all of these cheerleaders inevitably win their lawsuit, he doesn't have to pay out as much. Mm-hmm. That's interesting too. I never even thought of that. And then he's, this article also saying that this, these financial improprieties happened even before, like even a lot of these recent scandals too. So you wonder how much he was uh, taking in, just uh, in terms of the value of yeah. the American dollar and the currency, the economy as a whole too, where he might be able to he's still like managing the money that way. It's, no, it's getting. Listen, I, it's getting to the point where I don't know how Roger Goodell isn't going to force him to sell the team because listen, Jerry. Richardson made a mistake. Using that word is a horrible, horrible thing to do. But Jerry Richardson did that, and they, within a week, told him that you had to sell your franchise. Why is this taking so long that you're forcing cheerleaders to hook and all of that kind of stuff, and you're taking naked photos of them in their locker room and all kinds of – and now you have all these financial – how is how are they not telling him to sell the team? There's other employees, too, that have – it wasn't just the cheerleaders. There are other employees that were saying a lot of the same thing, too. Right. 
Right. This is this is like the the crazy thing to it is how does he do all of that? And Jerry Richardson within a week had to put his team up for sale. Mm-hmm. Who? And how is it possible? The only person that's gotten in trouble out of all of this is John Gruden. Which is horrible. It's horrible how John Gruden take is taking the fall off of, uh, out of all this. He's taking the fall on all of this. It's not fair to no, John no. Gruden. It's not fair. No, 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 no. He he got what he deserved. I he I said he, that. He, right. So that is what it is. The only shame in this is that he's the only one that has gotten punishment. Mm, yeah. I do want to. I do want to get into this Brian Cashman thing. Brian Cashman spoke out. Uh, uh, he spoke out twenty four hours ago. He was talking about. Why, you know, we're talking about the Yankees' uh, time that they haven't won uh, a championship uh, since 2009. He brought up that Houston Astros situation in the cheating yeah, scandal. Let me, let me say something, okay? I'm a Yankee fan, and I have a lot of respect for Brian Cashman. I think he's, he's one of the best GMs in professional sports. Smart, smart man. But for him to go up and make an excuse, okay? We all know the Astros cheated, okay? We all understand that. But that's not why the only reason why the Yankees lost that series, okay? And who's to say that the Yankees would have won in the World Series? Right. Who's, who's to say that would have happened, okay? So to sit here and, and say that the reason why the Yankees lost the, the chance of winning the World Series is because of the Astros and their cheating scandal is, is just absolutely selfish of him. Now, I, I look at the Yankees, and I, I, I respect the organization. I'm a Yankee fan, obviously. Uh, you want to call them the empire, you know, the evil empire, the evil empire, or whatever you want to call them, okay, as an organization. They're a winning organization. Winning World Series are not easy. I've said this to Tyler many, many times as he wants to jump off the ledge because the Mets added Max Scherzer or Marte or whatever, and the Yankees are not spending the money like they are, okay? It doesn't work always that way. But for Brian Cashman to come out on national radio, national TV, and throw the Houston Astros under the bus when, listen, it's over. It's past tense. That Astro team is pretty much abolished. Correa is no longer on that team. Half the players aren't on that team anymore. Do you have that two players? Pitch, that whole pitching staff You have is two gone, players. Yeah. You have who, who? Verlander? You have Altuve and Gurriel and Verlander. That's it. Um, That's, it's really it. Uh, the catcher, Maldonado. By the That's, way, yeah, you, have Gonzalez, you have Gonzalez on your team. Marwin Gonzalez is on your team now. And Garrett Cole. So, and Garrett Cole. <laughs> he, he stinks. He was on the Red Sox last year. And let me tell you something. He's a bum. But he's playing he's, well right now. He's literally, yes, he's he's playing literally well like a once-a-week player. He was a product of – I think he, he was a product really of the but Astros because he struggled with the but Twins. You, too, but, 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 we'll but you – but He you, was so bad last yes. year the Red Sox cut him. But but you know that, that maybe if he jumps ship and he goes to another team, he might play better. I mean, he's playing right now very well it's with the entirely Yankees. possible. Yeah, yeah it's no, possible. it is. Yeah, I mean, possible. change of scenery or yeah, maybe, you know, a little – yeah, Maybe. a different atmosphere can certainly help. Yeah. But the the here's the real thing. This is what this is what makes what Brian Cashman did today so laugh out loud funny. It's, it's selfish. That's what it well, is. It's, it's, well, it's not even just that. Do you know that a federal judge has now ruled that a letter from Rob Manfred to Brian Cashman be unsealed and made public? I saw about that. What? Yes. About what? Cheating, yes. Cheating the with the phones, yes. Signs and cheating. Yes, I saw so, that. Yes. So you're literally, and listen, not you, because you're not making excuses like, yes, the Astros cheated, we get it, but you're also saying, we don't know the Yankees win the World Series anyway. So you're not really agreeing with him. But what makes it so funny is you're making the excuse that you only didn't win because another team cheated when you cheated. Yes. And, 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 and again, 
Brian Cashman's not going to bring that up. And and listen, I think every team finds a way to cheat one way or another. Find uh, you they, know, yeah, they probably do. Like that's probably like a thing. But why is he the one crying about it when there's a letter about to be unsealed that's going to make you look like a clown show? And there's no, and I'm not going to argue with that. And that's why I wanted to bring it up because I've, I've been reading this story. I heard what he said. And listen, Brian should just keep his mouth shut because right now he should be worrying about his team right now and how well they're going to play this year. You bring in, you, you bring in some of these other players. You bring in some ex-Yankees. You bring in some of these ex-Astros to play on your team, and then you're 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 throwing these teams under the bus. I listen. The season's about to begin in about a week, two weeks. I think the season starts. Yeah, April seventh, next yeah, week. Yes, opening day. All right, so. Why are you sitting here and talking about what the Yankees did in 2009 or what the Yankees haven't done in the last 12 seasons? Who cares? Go out there and show everybody and shut everybody up. They're not expected to win the World Series this year. They're expected to be a playoff team. They're expected to be one of the top teams in the American League and one of the top teams all in baseball, top five. Go win the World Series when you're not the 100% favorites. You're a top five favorite right now. Go win the World Series and shut everybody up. And then you don't have to talk about this anymore. This is ridiculous. And and for me to sit here as a Yankee fan and listen to – listen, the Yankees Yankee fans bitch all the time. Listen to Tyler, okay? Aaron Boone's horrible. No. He sucks. It is. It's that. <laughs> yes, right. well, we know you'll never listen to Tyler, Jeff. No, but it, it, you listen to – he's a Yankee fan. But you every, uh, every time that he was on the show, I would listen to him and take shots at the Yankees organization and everything <laughs> like that because he the Yankees aren't buying the play that he wanted. It's not always what changes an organization by buying players. What changes an organization is understanding how the organization works and running through the organization the way it has worked when they were right, winning. But, but, but you're being realistic about the whole thing, and then you're, you're saying that we should listen to the whiny bitch of the Bronx. No, <laughs> he's an idiot. He's actually the dumbest person on the planet. No one wants to listen to him. His opinion means nothing. Has he ever been right about anything? Are you talking about so Tyler? What? So what? He's also going to be wrong about this, too. So tell him to go pound sand. <laughs> it was the same one that wanted Aaron Judge traded three years ago, too. <laughs> well, he's a moron, and that just shows what, you how stupid. Meanwhile, he's, he's probably going to get extended soon. <laughs> what has he ever been right about? Well, he would tell you every time he's he's made a bet on the show, he's won, which he hasn't won one. Which so. is also something he's wrong about. <laughs> he has won one, but he, he says he has. He'd... He won the Ontario yes. Rangers. That that's it. it. That's yeah. it. That's it. That's the only yeah. thing he's he ever won. He says something, and then someone will go, is that true? And he's like, well, it's true that I said it. <laughs> he, he, it's it, not actually true. Well, him as a Ranger <sighs> fan is is – is laughable by itself anyways because he actually posted something up on social media today. He says, anybody want to go to the Ranger Islander game on Friday? I said, I might be available. I'll go. So he says, $120 a ticket. I said, where are they going to be sitting? He says, we'll be sitting all the way in the boondocks. I say, okay, I'm not going. <laughs> Why would I spend $120 sitting all the way in boondocks when – when spend an extra hundred dollars, you're sitting in the two hundreds. You're, you're like six, seven rows off the ice. I mean, why not spend the extra hundred bucks? And Tyler says, "What? Well, nobody's as rich as you." I say, "Tyler, are you kidding me? Don't even get me started about rich." The, the, this, it's, but it's so funny. Like, why should you be paying for a ticket? The punish, like he should have to buy your ticket for the punishment of having to sit next to him. 
<laughs> in fact, I would insist that he buy three tickets so you could leave one empty seat in between you. <laughs> Carl says, uh, wasn't that the first problem? They were paying him to get him off referring to Snyder. Snyder cooking the books. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. If Ridley was suspended a year for gambling, how is he not forced out for this? And then uh, Stankies. Yeah, well, I know he doesn't like the Yankees, but, but whatever. It's not even a Cubs fan. I don't know what grudge you would have with the Yankees. That seems kind of weird. Listen, I love to take shots at Errol about the Yankees because it's fun because it kind of fires them up and things like that. But, like, this thing with the letter being unsealed, that's a real thing. That's not me making something up or just trying to needle Errol or whatever. Like, why, if you're Brian Cashman, are you opening your stupid little mouth? Because you're going to look like it, – it feels like it's preemptively – trying to make bring the Astros thing back up to make it seem like what you did isn't a big deal. Well, yeah, it's also it's not the entire drought either. The Yankees also lost two ALCSs after that, too. After the 2009 World Series, they lost to Texas. They lost to D- Detroit. The, you're not blaming anything for cheating for that. And the Red Sox this past year, the Red Sox in 2018, and they uh, allegedly they were investigated for cheating but were never actually officially caught. So hey, I don't know how much you can really blame with that. Speedy, are you a trivia guy? I can be, sure. Okay. You want a great piece of trivia that will never, it'll never die. It's, this is it. This is what it is. It's written in stone. With the new baseball rules and the way the playoffs are structured, can you name the very last team that ever lost a wild card game? The New York Yankees. The New York Yankees. (laughs) They're losers. Write it down. It's in history. <laughs> uh, D- Jeff loves that. He just loves it. When, the, when there's some kind of bad coming from the Yankees organization, he loves to. Hold on. Hold on. That's trivia. Is it true? Uh, yes. That's, also, a, that's a trivia question. Uh, how many? Uh, okay. D- who's won the most uh, World Series in, in history? Great. Uh, I'll give you another great piece of trivia, <laughs> You don't want to answer that. The Yankees. <laughs> Obviously, everyone knows the Yankees. <laughs> Can you name the only player to hit for the cycle in the playoffs and what team he played for and what team it was against? Johnny Damon, and it was the Yankees. No, right? it's Brock Holt, and it was the Yankees. I guess it's the Yankees. Brock Holt, it was the Yankees. Oh, well, good. Congrats. He's on it. We love trivia, don't we? Yeah, well, congratulations to him. Yeah, it's it's great. That's great. Congratulations to scored again in that game. What was that game? Seventeen to one. I was like, yeah, eighteen to three or something like that. Yeah, that was yeah, game three of that series. Wow. And the Yankees have beaten the Red Sox eighty or ninety more times than the Red Sox have beaten the Yankees. Who cares? I feel like I feel I feel like that game was literally being at like one of those little kid carousels with the horses where you just put the quarter in and watch the people go around and around and around. That's what the base uh, pads were like. Jeff, put you the are pain in my ass. The Red Sox you really play. are. You really are. Who cares about the Red Sox? We're not talking about the Red Sox. No, Why do the Red Sox get brought Yankees into the conversation? And they're scumbags. Good. First of all, it's not the Yankees. It's Brian Cashman opening his mouth and trying to throw the Astros under the bus. It's over. We all know they cheated. It's done. Stop bringing it up. It's not going to change what happened in the past. Try to change what's going on in the future. If you want to win a World Series and you want to shut everybody up, just go out there this year. Your team is a good. Your team is set up to win. They're not going to be a bad team. This is a very talented team. Go out and win. That's it. Listen, I've been having fun with that trivia thing, but I actually am serious, and I mean, like, 
I feel like him bringing that up is a preemptive kind of thing to, you know, this letter, it, first of all, they tried to hide this letter. So you know that that's not good to begin with, right? So to me, it just feels like he's bringing that up to minimize what they did. Because I'm sure what the Yankees did isn't as blatant as what the Astros did. What the Astros no. did is ridiculous, right? right? Like ridiculous. Yeah. But it feels like he's bringing that up just so he can be like, well, what we did wasn't as bad. Mm. Well, they're also the first team to bring it up, too. And you wonder, again, if there's other other ripple effects that could happen. Because, yeah, the Dodgers, they lost in that World Series in 2017. They didn't bring it up either. They still won a World Series later on in 2020. Other teams that have beaten them in the playoffs, too, they didn't bring it up either. And I don't know if the – I don't know whether it's the Yankees with the closed leather or even some of these other teams. I don't know if they're necessarily the last example. And we said that at the time, too, when the Astros scandal first came out in 2020, that they're probably not the only team, but they're going to be the most extreme team based on how elaborate that operation was for not only the 2019 season but for all three years of that the thing 2017 through 19 mm. it's it's it just it just yeah. feels bad because they 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 filed a lawsuit to try to block the release of whatever this letter says and i'm not saying i know what it says but listen if they're gonna put a letter out there and you're suing the block it, it can't be good right mm-hmm. yeah it's it's so. it's it's very interesting and and listen, I I just it it is a story. It has been a story for the last the last twenty four hours. I I wanted to bring it up because it it kind of pisses me off as a Yankee fan and a guy that stands up for Brian Cashman. I do stand up for Brian Cashman. I think he's a very intelligent and very smart man. But to come out like that and and make it seem like that's the only reason why you guys haven't won a World Series in this amount of time. It's a lie, and it's bullshit. And I, I, and I think he needs to stop this. And There was no reason why he should have brought that up. There was no stop reason. Stop being why. reasonable. You're a Yankees fan. No, stop being so reasonable. No, because I, I'm a Yankee fan that knows. And I, I understand. Listen, they're, they're, they're more than good enough this year to win a World Series. They have a good team. You could win a World I, Series with that lineup. I don't know if they have the pitching. Did you see what their rotation? Yeah, I see what they're. I, I know what it depends on health, but their rotation's not bad. It's when not it's bad. healthy. It's just a matter it's of health. Super, it's just about health. I'm not super excited about that rotation, though. Well, listen, there was a lot of years I'm that I'm not I, saying it's bad, by the way, either. I'm, I'm no, not no, no. I got it. I got it. I got it. But I remember t- four years ago where the Yankees' rotation was, where everybody said, and they were a top six rotation ERA and WHIP. So listen, it all depends on health. Luis Savarino. Taylor Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery. Montgomery. I mean, this. And, this and what's what's Ramon going to do once he gets all? But he's still got like two, a two or three month suspension, right, or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's a month. Yeah, I think it's a month. Yeah, because it, it happened right at the end of the 2019. Oh, yeah, season, I think so that, that makes sense. I think it's a month. And is it? Is I thought it was like 60 or 90 days. No, he, no, it was from that. It was from the end of the 2019 yeah. season, August or September 2019. So that would that would be a, approximately late April to early May of this season, depending on the, it's going to be May. Service time. It's going to be May, and uh, it, he'll be back. So. The the question is is if this the, remember it's all about you, you know you could have four really great pitchers you need like seven eight nine good pitchers because there's going to be injuries this year in 162 games so uh, listen I think the Yankees have depth in their pitching staff they have a lot of good yeah, they have a lot of depth in their pitching they don't have like the top heavy pitching they have one great pitcher in Garrett Cole and then the rest of them Savarino could be great but we don't know how healthy he's going to be. 
I mean, Montgomery has been very you – know, when he is healthy, he's been – last year in the playoffs, he was sensational. Right. He and, can pitch. And depth seems to matter more yeah, as a whole in today's game. As far as the rotation, they have depth. As far as their, you know, their relief pitching – that scares me with the Yankees. Yeah, it it, and it's more about depth than today's game. Like, you look at the Braves. They won the World Series last year. Their pitching on paper was supposed to be good at the beginning of the regular season. It was up and down throughout the year, but they still had enough guys to make it work, and they still had guys that could pitch in multiple roles, and even in their bullpen, too. Their bullpen was thought of as god-awful in the first two months of the season. They oh. got it together. And, and, and this, and this um, who did they add to the bullpen this year? Nothing that got, really stands out. Right. I got bad. I got bad news for you. He's not missing a month. He's missing three months of the season. Really? He I heard it was. He got an eighty-one game suspension. So and it began last year. So he has sixty-four games left to or sixty-three left. Oh, the sixty-three games left to go. And the Yankees' sixty-fourth game is scheduled for June fifth. So oh, I thought the June so 5th. the twenty twenty season didn't count for that. Okay, I thought it was. I thought no, it was. It do, no, it no, it does. But he started the suspension. When does it say he started it in? Uh, I thought it was at the start uh, of the 2020 season. The league announced Herman accepted an 81-game unpaid suspension, blah, blah, blah. He began serving it on September 19th. Oh, okay. So it's 81 games. So he missed whatever, 20, 22 games. Okay, I thought it was at the start of that season. Okay, that makes sense in that case. It's essentially you were missing the July-August of the shortened season. So, yeah, that that would carry over to April-May. Okay. Uh, Carl says – Yeah, so he's he's missing – they start in March, though, don't they? Well, they start. They start. They start. They start next week in April. They would have probably started. I think they would have started today. I think they would have started today. Actually, April eighth. I think they start seventh. Seventh. It's it's literally a week from now. The Yankees or the whole league. I'm not sure what the they don't all start. No, I know. I'm just saying the whole league. Um, So yeah, he's going to miss the first two months of the season. Okay, I didn't. I I didn't realize it didn't start uh, right in the 2020 season. Uh, Carl says this sounds like Cashman is doing damage control, kind of like Sammy Sosa saying he didn't speak English in front of the Congress, and the White Sox and Yankees have dicey rotations, and then Nithin says four to five times turn up. I don't know what that means, but whatever. Um, he's trying to attract he, his he Costa Rican crowd. No, he's a Yankee fan. He's, he's a Yankee fan, but he's in Costa Rica probably getting drunk, so I don't, yeah. who knows. I don't know, I don't know if, if anyone's noticed, but Rafi is raking in the preseason, and Trevor Story, first at bat, triple with the Red Sox. What's up? Let's go. Listen, there's a lot of guys. The Yankees, Glaber Torres can't strike out uh, right now. I mean, Marvin Gonzalez is the hottest hitter right now in all of all of spring Trust training me, right now. Cool. Trust me, as someone that watched him with the Red Sox last year. I'm listen, just saying. The scenery might help him, but I'm just He's saying, got, what, eight or nine hits right now? He's got, like, two home runs, three I home runs. I walking strikeout. That's, you watch. That's, that's fine, I, but he he's, plays multiple positions. And uh, I, listen. They, I'm just telling you what I've I've saw so far in spring training. He is the and hottest the hitter. He's great. hitting he's hitting five forty five right now. Five forty five right now in the spring training. Marlon Gonzalez. Nine uh, RBI. I actually can't wait for the season because I think the Red Sox will be pretty decent. I think the Yankees will be pretty decent. The whole the whole American think... League East is gonna be decent. They're all going to be good. The Orioles suck a bag Just of Orioles. Just players. Orioles. You have Toronto that's gonna that, be good. That kid, um, Although that kid Adley Rushman. Uh, Ru- Rush- Rushman is, dude, I hope he plays this year. That kid hits balls to the moon. Uh-huh. He's the highly touted, most highly touted catcher prospect, oddly enough, since the Orioles' last one, Matt Weeders. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this kid looks great though. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it's a three, it's a three horse race in the AL East. 
Or well, I don't know. The Rays are there too, so maybe the Rays are not gonna. Something. They're not gonna go out easily. They're not as good as they were last year, but they're still gonna be tough. The Rays will be good. They'll find. Sure. They'll find somebody else to make that kind of thing work. Even though they have rumors. a great. They have a great uh, relief rotation. They they have a very good bullpen, and and they'll be hard in late. If they're if the game is close in later innings, the Rays will be in every single game. Plus the other and, thing too, they get a full year of Wander Franco too, which is going to be very well, I was nice just for gonna, them. I was just going to say I love some of the young players in the game. Like I'm, a, I like Rafi Devers as a Red Sox and things like that. But the Rays might have the best young player in the league in Wander Franco. Yeah, and he was again. He get they get a full season of him now, which the Rays' offense actually contributed more in the last couple months of the season when they had a lot all those pitching injuries all at once. And well, I don't know if they're going to necessarily become more of an offensive team, but if they can get that level of offensive production with the pitching they've had in the past, they could definitely compete. It's just going to be very tough with the level of the offenses on paper that the Blue Jays and the Yankees have for sure, and the Red Sox are now getting now that they brought in Story. So you wonder if, if the Rays at least can be somewhat competitive enough with that pitching that they have. Because the other the other teams they have the questions with the pitching because the Yankees it's injuries because they have the depth on paper the Blue Jays their bullpen is uh, very questionable their starting rotation's good but they're and the Red Sox we saw them patch it together for much of the season can they do it again is another question with a lot of the pitchers that they have they lost Eduardo Rodriguez they might be getting Chris Sale back we'll see but still a lot to wonder with that rotation as well Juan DeFranco you think he's the best you think he's going to be one of the best shortstops in the league. I mean, he could be, he could be, and and not for nothing, what the Tampa Bay front office did by giving him that contract is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely brilliant. What did they give him? What did they give him? They gave him an 11-year contract for $182 million. Oh, yeah, that was a great, that was a great right, move. Right, well, it is a great move. It is a great move. Yeah, 11 years, because, you have control like, of him for 11 like years. They, right, they, but they, you know, they, they could have, like, screwed with him like they did judge, right? Like, where they were like, oh, we have control of him or whatever. And they decided to rip that contract up and give them seventeen million for the next decade. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I think that's a brilliant I, like strategy to say we're going to lock him up long term rather than just have him for four or five years and then watch one of the big market teams give him four hundred million. It actually is very uh, backloaded too. So the Rays can maybe, depending on whatever ever happens with their stadium situation and stuff like that. Uh, we'll get the money on it later. He's only making $1 million this year, and then it's only two for the next uh, next two. So it's actually more backloaded. So if they could figure that out and at least become somewhat stable when it comes to their financial end of it, because they're a great run organization from a baseball standpoint, then right, it I'm really sure there was some sort of. I'm sure there had to have been some sort of like signing bonus too, right? Like there had to have been, right? Because I think the deal was up to like 200 or 225 million or something. Yeah, with the signing bonuses, it probably is around that. I'm trying to see exactly where it is. It's just listed as adjusted salary, $1.54 million. Uh, oh, yeah, here, signing bonus. Yeah, four, it, it, The max signing bonuses, no, they're actually only ranged in the 400000 range. So the signing bonuses right, actually aren't that drastic. Is probably, right, but 400000 is probably all he was entitled to make last year. Oh, sure, with the, with the old rules? Absolutely, yeah. Right, yeah, so he, you know, like – he saw the money and took it. Like that's great. Right. They did this. He did, he did the same thing Acuna did. Look what the look what the Braves gave Acuna. Right. What was it ten years, a hundred million? That was a steal. With arguably the best uh, center fielder in baseball behind Mike Trout. Right. I mean, it, I and you you got Acuna uh, for for the next ten years. Well, by the time he he becomes a free agent again, he's what twenty nine, thirty years old. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was that was a great move. Right. And then also they they Albies. signed a, Albies, Albies too. Yep. too. 
Albies. I think he was Acuna's, eight year, Yeah, he was Acuna's eight years, was so yeah. much better. Well, yeah. It was so much better with Acuna. Well, sure. But that's the modern trend. And the Rays kind of have to do that maybe a little longer just to get more of the stability out of them. And again, it also gives them leeway to operate how they've operated where they know when to trade players at the right time, too. If the Rays are in a situation where, I mean, obviously we're talking really long term here with somebody as oh, um, man. With that much upside as Wander Franco. Juan but... Soto is going to make a ton of money. Man. Oh, yeah. He is oh, going it's to gonna be absurd. He is going to make a ton of money. This man is going to make like four hundred and fifty million dollars. Whoever pays him, it's it's crazy. He's twenty three years old. He's probably the best overall hitter in baseball right now, and uh, he's sitting there right now. He wouldn't take three hundred and fifty million dollars from what's his name again? Well, from the Nationals right. last year. So I already believe the Nationals are planning to trade him. <laughs> But uh, where, too? And he wants to go to a big marketplace. And what big marketplace is willing to give up top-end prospects and pay him the money that he's going to want, which is a lot. Chicago. Chicago, that's what I think. I think it's the White Sox. That's where I think. I I, I know he wants to be a Yankee. I've I've read so many things that he grew up a Yankee fan. He wants to be a Yankee. I don't see the Yankees giving him $450 million. That's a lot of money. Not for nothing, look out, cookout. If I'll give you another team that's kind of sneaky because you wouldn't like, dude, they give out ridiculous contracts all the time, but and no one talks about it. But if the Angels pay him, whoa, look out. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Yeah. that's true, too. Dude, uh, dude, a lineup with Rendon, Trout, Otani, and Soto in it that's the best lineup in baseball. Assuming they, one, can all stay healthy, and two, assuming they can pitch because they never can pitch. <laughs> yeah, the health thing is a little ridiculous because Mike Trout, okay. Trout's only recently, player. but Rendon's been steadily injury-prone throughout his career, and he only played the first month and a half this season, so which doesn't help. Mon Soto is but, like the, is the best. If, if, if he's not the best player right now in baseball, he's the second best right behind Mike Trout. I mean, there's not many guys as good as this no kid. No love for Rafi Devers? <laughs> not not best player. No, not compared to Soto. Well, so, De- Soto has the Devers be- is good, but he's Devers is 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 where like uh, Aaron Judge is. That's where Rafi Devers is. When you compare and contrast to who Rafi Devers is, you compare him to Aaron Judge. That's Soto what he is. Soto from an analytics standpoint has been the best pure hitter in baseball for the last three years. In terms, of I like Rafi the, Devers. By the way. In terms of the sabermetric statistics, even in his rookie year too, he was. Like ch- like chase rate in terms of batting average uh, of, of balls in play, like he doesn't strike out very often, which is something that you don't really see a lot of. Even with even with some of the young players, the fantastic young players that came up, like Acuna, he's Acuna even had strikeout. I mean, problems. if look you at Pete Alonso, he had strikeout. If problems. you look at Rafi Devers and you look at Aaron Judge, their their numbers are so similar. It's like it, it's crazy. It's like a mirror. Right, the simonage. problem is Rafi Devers is like a decade younger than Judge. Uh, yeah, he's Ra- five Ra- years. Rafi Devers is 21. Right. Four years. No, he's 25, Rafi Devers. Rafi Devers is like 21. He's 25. It's right here. 25 years old. I'm looking at it right I now. He was he's 25 he years old. He came, up, he came up at like 19. That's what I thought too, but it must have been the 2017 season then. So he's 25 and Aaron Judge is 29. So they're only four years apart. And and Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge is he's a five-two player. Aaron Judge, he can play the Imagine outfield. Imagine being five years younger and having Aaron Judge numbers. That's amazing. Yeah, Aaron Judge, but Aaron Judge, and this is why I didn't understand Tyler. Aaron Judge last year as a big power hitter, power hitter was hitting two eighty-seven, a power hitter. And I told I told Tyler, I said, Tyler, 
How many power hitters in the major leagues are hitting close to 300? Talking pure power hitters. Yep. There are not many, okay? And he's he's a big man. He's hitting 287, 39 home runs, and 100 RBIs. I mean, like, it, it, you're stupid, and you want to trade him? He's trade not him good. now. Trade him now. It's Just, so stupid. No, no. It's so dumb. It, it, and that's why I don't talk that when it comes to baseball, when Tyler says something, when, when, when it really becomes anything, Tyler says, I, I kind of I take it for a grain of salt because it's Tyler. You know what I mean? It's just but that's why you shouldn't even bring it up because he's an idiot. He's the dumbest person on the planet. It, 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 I, I remember I, I had one of the Yankee fans listening to the show. Uh, what was it? A couple of months ago. And he was he was when Tyler said that we, we should trade Aaron Judge. He's well, he, while, while he's hot. And I'm like. He's 29 years old. He's going to get a five-year extension, and he's going to get paid money. He's not making t- – the Yankees aren't paying him $300 million. He's not making look, $300 million. Look, here's, here's the bottom line with this. If you put those headphones next to the empty chair next to Speedy, it would be more useful than Tyler was. <laughs> uh, Nithin in the comment section with a bunch of things that say, party up and Boston sucks. Well, you're having a lot yeah. of fun oh, in Costa Rica, yeah. I can see, Nithin. I know. Boston stinks. Go E.J. Perry. Good take. <laughs> well, I'll, I will say this. As a and Yankee Boston fan, Boston, so bad, they don't They stink. body-bagged your team, Nathan. They body-bagged your team last year. Well, they didn't body-bag the Yankees last year. In the play- sure did. Well, what are you sure talking did. about? That game, that game was over. And they oh, you're talking about the playoff game. game. Was- I'm talking about the ra- the whole season. I mean, it was very no, close. No, it was a regular season very with a close. tale of two halves. The Red Sox won yeah. the overall season yeah. series oh, by one game. Yeah, it was very close. It was like the Red Sox were 8-1 and, one and the first half, half of the Yankees were, sec- uh, were like 10 and It was nine. very close. Yeah. It was a very close But at the end of the day, they won the game that mattered, didn't they? Yeah, they won the game. Because they had the best hitter in baseball last year. Kike Hernandez. <laughs> well, hold on, you're hold on, you're laughing. Right? No, he, he was. He's been, always been a very good playoff player. Kike. Hold on, hold on. Was he not the best player in all of the playoffs last year? He was. So I think he. I think he had thirteen or fourteen straight at bats without making an out. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was no, he was the breakout. He was the breakout player, and he's always been a good playoff player. When, when even when he was at the Dodgers, too, like hitting like lower in the lineup, he was always like, oh, seventh or eighth. No, we have all these big guys before that. No, he was the one that was showing up a lot of the time when other bigger bats in the Dodgers lineup were slumping too. So yeah, he's yeah, always that been was, that. That was yeah, yeah, that was always the thing with the Dodgers, though, Speedy. They had too many good players. Like it's it's why it's why Seager isn't there. That's how it's yep. how Texas got Seager because right. they just listen. You just can't have. Dude, the amount of talent the Dodgers had is ridiculous. Like, look, they had to get rid of Verdugo. And I'm not saying Verdugo right. was great, but at the time, he was one of the top-rated at, prospects in 2016, in he was the number one prospect in baseball. Right. So this is what I'm saying is you had the number one prospect in baseball that year. I think the next year, who's the uh, – Arias was up like, there, too. I think he was number three. Right, but they had that other kid that pitched, too. Who's the kid that looks like Carrot Top? Oh, yeah, the, the kid with the hair, the kid with the crazy hair was also. Oh, Dustin May, yeah, pro- Dustin May. Dustin May was one of the best products. And listen, I get it; that's a pitcher, so you can always fit a pitcher in. But you know, they had Seager and they had Verdugo. Dude, Jock Peterson was the odd guy out. Jock Peterson, I remember a starter that. Yeah. on almost. And he every was, other yeah, team. he was, he was a top twenty prospect at the time too. And they were thinking right. he was going to be like that left-handed, one of the best left-handed hitters of like the generation type thing. Dude, it's honestly embarrassing how much talent the Dodgers have had. Yeah, it's, th- it's embarrassing. 
Right. And again, this, the combination of everything that you need, obviously they have to, obviously, like Errol was saying, baseball, you don't win World Series. No, like, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's like, probably the hardest. Like, like in the NBA, you have all these teams winning back-to-back championships, <laughs> and like three championships in a row or Baseball whatever. is so baseball, hard. I'll, yeah. tell you, I'll tell you what. Brian Cashman's statement would be valid if the Dodgers GM was saying it because they made the World Series against that team. They beat every other team except the – you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. – yeah, and they like, and they even went went to it the next year, and they owned up to it. Like they still played well outside of the twenty nineteen, where they had that collapse against Washington. They still played well in all those other postseasons amidst all that. They ended up winning in twenty twenty, and yeah, they still owned up to it. Yeah, but they're yeah they're not complaining either. And there's, again, but, but there's other Errol, teams but, going through that too. So, but Errol's point still rings true, right? Where because you know a good Yankee fan, good honest Yankee fan, Errol, good for you mm-hmm. that you said okay, well maybe they should have beat the Astros, but it doesn't mean they would have beat the Dodgers. Dude, the right. Dodgers actually did beat everyone in there thing and the only yep. team that they lost to was those cheating bastards and they lost to it in it remember a seven game series that was really close how many close games were in that series too a all those ton. extra inning games yeah and if they weren't cheating it, it doesn't go that far dodgers win it in probably six games yeah probably yeah, yeah. And, and listen uh sitting here and looking at this season there's no sure thing who's going to win the world series even with the dodgers as talented that they are oh, sure with their with their with their lineup I don't trust their. I don't trust their starting rotation because they're old. And and listen, this is they have some good young players, obviously. Uh, but I, 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 t- I going into the going into the season, everybody's going to pick the Dodgers to win the whole thing. Uh, we a lot of people picked the Dodgers last year to win the whole thing, and they got knocked out. They couldn't. They didn't play well in the second half, and they were a wild card team. So there's no sure thing. Any any year when it comes to baseball, the Yankees right now are looking at looking at uh, the fifth or sixth best team in all of baseball. They could turn out to be the best team in baseball by the end of the season. It's just things like that happen with baseball. You just don't know. You don't uh, I know. I just want to change, so switch subjects here for just one Go ahead. second. Go ahead. It's on. It's on my TV. I'm looking at it. Yeah. The the Mike. Did you see the Mike Tannenbaum mock draft? No. It just—it's got them. I, I'm just putting it on now, so I'm just seeing it. But it's uh, the the pick that was up was number ten. The Jets select uh, defensive end Jermaine Johnson at ten. <laughs> uh, listen, fills fills a need that you were saying to a pass rusher. Listen, Tannenbaum is horrible. He his his picks last year. When you look at his draft board, it was horrible. <clears throat> I don't care what Tannenbaum says. I what I think they're going to do at one at four. They're going to draft a pass rusher. That's what I think they're going to do. At 10, they either trade out of that or they draft Garrett Wilson or a wide receiver. That's what I think the Jets see, are going to do. See, I have it the op- like I have it actually uh, the same but opposite, right? I think they take wide receiver at four, so they get the wide receiver they want, and then they may even trade back or take a pass rusher when they trade back or stick at 10 and take the pass rusher. I just have it flipped because I just have a feeling because they – if the reports are true that they've been searching for a number one wide receiver, they are. They are. I okay. Well, I'm just saying it would seem as though that they've prioritized that, and that's why I would think at four would be wide receiver. That that would be the most important thing to them, and they want the one that they want, and then they would get the, the pass rusher at ten or fifteen if they trade back, or twenty if they yeah. trade back, or whatever. Maybe I, I, I think they I think they go pass rusher first, wide receiver at ten. I, I think that or they'll trade out of that and still probably get the wide receiver that they want if they trade out of that spot at ten. Or maybe they trade at four. That's what I was about to say. Maybe they trade out at four. They get you know being that the Eagles are sitting there at fifteen, seventeen, and eighteen, or and eighteen and nineteen. They get two of those picks. Maybe they get eighteen and nineteen. 
They give up the four and they get a second, you know, right. to move up all the way to fourth. And the Jets have three first round draft picks. They got the ten, they got the eighteenth, the nineteenth, and they have a second round, a three second round picks. I could see the Jets doing that. I could. I just don't. I don't see that happening because all the team. No offense to you and to Speedy or the Eagles fans listening or any of those or the Lions fans for that matter because <laughs> they have two first round draft picks as well. I don't see any team with the two first round draft picks trading. All of those teams need help. Right. They all they all need help. Mm-hmm. So why would why would you trade two first rounders for a higher number one? Because they, they need that. They need the help. Equally. Because the so Eagles getting... because the Eagles want the corner that they want. And they're, they're, and if there's, so there's, many, a, there's so many good corners. That's fine. They, they, they like Gardner. Maybe they, they Gardner is a short sure thing in their eyes. That's who they want. But they can get another corner. And that's fine. Another but maybe they think Gardner is. They also need wide receiver. Yes, right. but they still have another Desperately. one. Even if they trade, listen, even if they traded the Jets, let's say, for the fourth and they give up, uh, they give up the 18th and the 19th in a second round pick to move up to fourth. They still have their fourth. And they still have their first with that. They still have two firsts, and they still have two seconds. The Eagles still have the draft stock if they really want a guy at four. If they like right, Gardner. The Eagles have three first-round draft picks. They have three first-round yep. draft picks. They got one yeah, from Miami, need, they and they got two, one from Indianapolis. They need three players. They need three players. And I think the Eagles want to play. They want a corner that they really, really like. And I think the Eagles are going to try to move up together. The other thing could be middle of the field too. Like they could also corner and receiver is definitely the deeper positions. But they also could use inside linebacker safety help too as well. Too and maybe the Eagles. Maybe maybe if they do trade up, maybe it's for somebody like a Kyle Hamilton. Maybe so. a Kyle Hamilton at eight four. Maybe they want Kyle Hamilton that bad. So who knows? Who knows what the Eagles want? But I've been hearing that the, the Jets are taking flyers on people that want the fourth pick. So as they should be, because they're trying to look for the most true value uh, possible. Especially if they don't get one of the pass rushers, they both go one, uh, both go top three. Then you can they're explore both many not going top three. I don't think so. They say Thibodeau's falling. <laughs> I don't think so either, just because those three teams are so weird that I feel like one of them is going to really draft something bizarre. But I would say the Lions have drafted better in recent years, though, with like not avoiding those all those weird picks outside of T.J. Hawkinson, which was a weird pick at the time. I would say. Like they've been pretty steady with drafting. I mean, Okuda hasn't worked out, but he was still thought of as a top ten pick. Obviously, Panay Sewell last year too, DeAndre Swift, guys like that that they've worked. Uh, Jacksonville, you never know though. <laughs> Who knows what they're gonna do? Uh, Jacksonville it, should take offensive line. I don't care. They should, but they, will they? That, that's gonna. That's they gonna should. Be... They should. T- they should take Evan Neal. That kid has already said, "I'll play any position other than center." Mm. He already came out and said it. He's like, you can put me wherever. He's like, I just want to play. Let's go. And uh, honestly, they need they need to help Trevor Lawrence. They need to help him. Yeah, and 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 Evan Neal is you know before the before the draft has even started, before the combine even started, everybody said Evan Neal is the best offensive lineman in this draft. So, any if for a three hundred and fifty pound or three hundred and forty pound guy, he looked pretty damn good. So, he's very agile, very fast, very strong. Uh, it's it's I don't I I think he's the perfect fit for them. But I, could you imagine him? And if I were the Jets, if he's sitting there at four, I would take a flyer on whoever wants him. Because if you don't need him, which right now, if you look at the Jets roster now, you don't need Evan Neal. No. You don't need him. You have George Font. You have Mackay Beckham coming back, and he has a lot to prove. I have Elijah Vary Tucker, Tomlinson. You need it if you want a center. But the Jets don't need Evan Neal. So what do the Jets need to do? If he's sitting there at four, I Wide would receiver. T- I would yep. Yeah, but if he's sitting there at four, 
I take flyers whoever wants him because to me he's 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 as good as offensive lineman as you're going to get, and you could get a lot for him. So uh, if a team sees him at four and the Jets are willing to trade down on it. I would do it. Most of the teams in that top 10 or I even would do right, it. right outside the top 10 definitely need offensive line, too. So it presents a good scenario. Now, if he's still there is... I think he will be there. Yeah. The other, I do. And who gets taken as well is the other question. Because if Aquanu gets taken before him, or if they're both still there, too, it could even drive that price up even further where teams might be jostling for those positions. Because you know too. the Giants are going to draft one of them. You know the Giants at five is if, if Evan Neal is sitting there at five for the Giants, Giant fans are gonna they're gonna be licking their they lips. They have to take him. Yes, yeah, they have to. They'll take be him. licking their lips getting Evan Neal sitting there. Speedy will probably you know you know piss his pants. Yeah, and then when they don't take him, I'll probably fall all that way. <laughs> I, I mean, if he's sitting there, but I can't see the Jets at four seeing Evan Neal on the board saying, you know what, we're just gonna leave him there and let the Giants get him. I don't see the Gi- the Jets doing that. I see the Jets saying, doing their due diligently and saying, you know what, who wants them? Who wants them? Give me the best price. You know? and, and but now, the Jets aren't competing with the Giants, so why would they care what the Giants Because, it, because I similar position I, It's needs. a similar position need, and, and the Jets know, and, and Joe Douglas knows. But it's not team, a similar position need because you just drafted all the goddamn line. You drafted Elijah Maritucki. You drafted the kid from Louisville, Mackay Beckton there. You drafted... Uh, who else did you get to play? Uh, you you just paid that dude to come Thomason. in. Thomason, Thomason, yeah, right, Lakin Tomlinson. You just paid him to come in. They don't really need more offensive line. Well, you they you never have enough. The football too. You you never have enough. You know, right? But it's not their biggest need anymore. No, it's not. No, no, we didn't say their biggest need, but it's still going to be a good value. Where, but that's what you take with. It. That's what you take it for. You take your biggest need. Which is either going to be pass rusher or a wide receiver. But here's the, the thing: you, you could you could still get that if you're let's or, say or, uh, all right. You're sitting. You, listen, you're sitting at that four, and then let's say just saying Carolina's sitting there at eight, and Carolina says, "Listen, the Jets have your second this year and your fourth this year. Okay, uh, we'll move. We'll let you move from four. We'll go to eight, and we want your first next year, and we want your second next year to to, to do that, or we want your first this year." Uh, your, your first next year and a third next year, uh, you know. Th- so they're not doing. They're not doing that. They 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 gave away so many draft picks getting uh, the redheaded Sam, Sam Darnold, right? That they're going to keep their picks or I'm trade just, back and I'm get just, more picks. They I'm need just saying, so much help. I'm just saying and, them. You know? And the Panthers are probably going to take quarterback. Here's another thing: the Panthers, the Panthers will probably end up taking Kenny Pickett if the Eagles are sitting there at fifteen. 18 and 19, they see Evan Neal sitting there. You don't think the he's e- not getting that far? Uh, I think he he's is. He's not getting that I far. I think he is. You think you think Evan Neal's going to slip all the way to 15? No, no, no. I'm saying no. Four. If I, if Evan Neal is sitting there at four for the Jets, I know the Jets are going to be taking flyers, and teams are going to be calling them up and saying, "I want Evan Neal. What do you want for him?" And I'm telling you, if the Jets get the the, the right price, they're going to move down. They'll take they'll take more draft stock because that's what Joe Douglas has been doing every single year, and that's what he did last year. And I they were sitting at three last year. They got two fir- two forts from the Patriots. Remember that? I remember that. The Patriots wanted somebody yeah. in the third round. The Jets the Jets traded down and got two forts, and they traded with the Patriots. Okay, so I, I I could see I could see Joe Douglas sitting there. At four, say, okay, what do you want? Oh, the Eagles want him. I'll take, I'll take the 18th and 19th this year, uh, and I'll take your second next year. 
okay? And I'll make that trade. The point is there's a lot of teams that have it as not necessarily their biggest need, but a top need of that team outside of outside of the Jets. Now, the Eagles are definitely in a position where they might I'm have just to give up a Eagles. little more. No, that's fine. I, now, the other, but even like right at the back end of the top 10 and with Minnesota, Minnesota's 11. They could definitely do that kind of thing, too. You got Seattle now with pick number nine. There's a lot of teams, Atlanta at number eight. There's plenty of teams that have that kind of leverage if they want to not leverage to get because they have a whole roster to fill, but ability to move up where they only have to give up the one pick and another second or another third where they could go because their pick is closer too. And if they want to make that aggressive move because they feel like he's that good and he shouldn't have fallen that far because top three decide to not take him, then yeah, there's going to be options there. It's very interesting. And and, and again, by, by the way, yeah. I mentioned the Tannenbaum draft with the Jets, the Tannenbaum draft for the Giants speed. He has uh, Evan, the Giants taking Evan Neal at five. And then taking Kayvon Thibodeau at, what was it, seven? That, seven that just eight. shows you how stupid he Because both those players aren't going to be sitting there. There's no That'd be way. A miracle. Well, well, listen. Listen. His mock draft isn't crazy. Like, his, his mock draft is not crazy. Okay? It's not, it's not crazy. It's got Evan. Uh, it's got Aiden Hutchinson going one. Do you think Evan Aiden Hutchinson can go? He one? goes one, yeah, yeah. I believe okay. he's going one. Yes. And then, and then it had, and then he had the Lions taken. Um, shit, who did who did he have the the Lions taken? Um, Aquanu. Uh, no, no, no. Aquanu went like uh, Hamilton, maybe. No, Hamilton went three to the. the he went Texans. three. Okay. Right. Did did, um, did Detroit go with a quarterback or a receiver? <laughs> I'm trying to because they need a receiver too. I don't know what they take one at two, though. Is the question. And who did the Jets Hold draft on, at four? It, I told you it had them taking. All right, so it has them. All right, so here it is. So it has them taking uh, Ahmad Gardner too, the cornerback at two. Oh wow. Okay? okay. And then it's got the Jets taking Garrett Wilson at four, Evan Neal at five to the Giants, Pickett six to the Panthers, Thibodeau seven to the Giants. That's not crazy. All of those guys that we're talking about. Are are all guys that we? I will. Remember, I predict. Remember, I predict. Remember, I predict this. Okay, hear me out on this. If Evan Neal is sitting there at four, the Jets will trade out of that pick. I'm 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 willing to bet anybody. If the Jets is sitting at four and Evan Neal is on the board, they will trade out of that pick. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. I'm just telling you, all the players in the top five, or all the players we've been talking about. In the top five, they're just in a different order. You've been saying Aiden Hutchinson could go one for he's, a while. Yeah, he's going, one. That? yeah he's going one. So that's not a wild. Pick. No, that's everybody's that's pick. Yeah, that's everybody's right. pick. Him going Gardner on. two is maybe a stretch, but Gardner yeah. was always projected. Oh, right, but hold on, you're saying yeah, like it's obvious, Speedy. People have had Gardner projected as like a five, six, or seven pick for forever. So taking him at two, if you like him, isn't a stretch. That's not crazy to pick a person three spots higher than because it, they're drafting need. They're not drafting who you think is the best player. Well, Detroit has other needs though too. Like, a... Right, right. But again, it's going to be their biggest need, right? It's got Houston taking Kyle Hamilton. I think it's another a good team move. That needs everything. I think yeah. that's a good move. Right, they could take offensive line. I could see Evan Neal going there. They they want to set Davis Mills up for success. But again, we've also been talking about how Kyle Hamilton is a freak prospect. Right. And, and by the way, for forever, he'd also been mocked at number four to the Jets. So is yes. is Kyle Hamilton going three crazy? 
No, no, I don't think that's crazy. No, no, but I, I again, I don't trust Mike Tannenbaum, and I will say this again. If Evan Neal is sitting there at four, the Jets will trade out of that pick. I will put money on it. They're, maybe they're maybe not. it's entirely possible, but honestly, it's also within the realm of possibility that Evan Neal gets to five. Yes, it's possible. I don't think he will be. I, I, I don't right, say, but, but that's why but that's why saying that oh that's not gonna happen is crazy as well because it very well could the players that are in the top four, it's not crazy. If if the Jets really like Garrett well and, and listen, I said that they should take wide receiver there. It's their biggest need. It's what they've been pressing about this whole time. And maybe I'm not a huge Garrett Wilson first overall. Maybe I'm Jamison Williams or Drake London, but Garrett Wilson's also a very good pick there. That's not crazy if you prefer Garrett Wilson. Listen, if they if the Jets think that Garrett Wilson it, with Elijah Moore is their future, and, and uh, the, I'm not going to be upset about that, but I don't think right. I don't I don't think the Jets are going to be drafting a wide receiver at four. I don't. Right, but don't. if but if they take wide receiver at four, they have the pick of the litter. Where if they wait until ten, the Giants, uh, not the Giants, but Falcons can take wide receiver. Seahawks can take wide receiver if if uh, if they're trading other people or whatever. The Seahawks could do it. Lots of teams could do it. Another another team could trade into the top ten. Yeah, that, that can happen with the pass rushers too. All those teams need to need defensive line help as well. Where the mm. Jets, that's that's probably a bigger need for them than a wide receiver, even with Lawson coming back. Right, and 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 so scrolling down on this, here's a better explanation for why the Texans took or uh, the oh wait, hold on, Kyle Hamilton. Yeah, because they took yeah. right, they took Kyle Hamilton at three. It's because uh, they didn't mind having Charles Cross as their offensive tackle at thirteen. So that's not crazy either. If you're not like in love with Evan Neal, you can get just as good a guy at 13. Right. Charles Cross is a goddamn good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, the, the Texans need everything, so they need to really look at all the value possible with that kind of thing. Because we, even right, in but, even when they've had good teams, we've seen them reach in the drafts a lot too. Carl so, says ESPN what? ESPN gave Yankees offseason moves a B minus. I would say that's where the Yankees that's are. At. I, I think like that's so. I say right, where but, the Yankees but, are. But, yeah. but this is what I'm saying: is it has the Texans taken that player because there are a lot of people. I'm not in this group, but there are a lot of people who think because of his freak athleticism, that he could be the best player in the draft. So why wouldn't you take him at three? Because they need everything. It's not crazy to say, oh, shit, we'll just take the best guy on the I wouldn't be – after watching his clips, I wouldn't be upset if the Jets got Kyle Hamilton. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset. Right. That's that's another – dude, he's going to be a good pick for somebody. Right? They're going to get a good pick. So I don't think it's crazy that they say – because here's the other thing. If you wait – and they t- there's other defensive backs taken, whether they're safeties or corners. You don't get the, the best guy in the group. They're saying, we're okay with the second or third best lineman, but we want the best defensive back. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what they're doing. It's easier to be a starting lineman in the league than it is to be a starting defensive back. That would be a great draft if the Giants got Evan Neal and Thibodeau. That would be a fantastic well, – well, no, anything they do in their of, draft, anything they do with the rest of their draft won't even matter, okay? It won't even matter. Right. And now, listen, the, the Lions could also take Thibodeau at two. So right. that's, like, another thing because they need that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, but but if Thibodeau – like, but if, if Thibodeau makes it past two, he probably gets past the Texans. He, he may or may not get past the Jets because he's a pass yeah, rusher. because the Jets right? might draft him. Yeah. yeah. Right. They could, but the Giants 
probably won't. Offensive line is probably their biggest need. They have yes, to do it with right? one pick at least. Yeah. If, if Evan Neal is sitting there at, f- at five, they're not going to pass up on Evan Neal. And the Panthers, no. and by the way, the Panthers are probably forced to take quarterback. Because I agree with Tannenbaum. I actually think they probably will take Kenny Pickett. Really? What else are they going to do? You can't just sit – you can't keep going through season after season with no quarterback. Because let's face it, they're going in with Sam Darnold, and he is a dumpster fire. It's what, not going to work. I mean, even I say, to the other draft, I say Carolina. I say Carolina goes for offensive line if – that's what I'm thinking, If, if he's sitting there at six. Or because they need all the other draft picks. If the offensive I line is a whole ripple effect, line. they might even trade back, too, to at least get some of the picks back because they need all, all the ones they lost with those trades. With the Jets. Yeah. yeah. So, the other again, you can maybe have just ride it out with Darnold for one more year and go for a better class of the quarterbacks, too. Unless, again, they really think Pickett is a fit. But who knows Darnold if that coaching was, staff is going to Darnold was there. playing well before until Christian McCaffrey got hurt. If if Christian McCaffrey's still on that team, or, or draft a, you know draft another running back, or, there's nobody like Christian McCaffrey. But uh, I mean, if Christian McCaffrey could stay healthy, I think Donald mm. would be successful in that offense. I do. It's also just the level of the quarterbacks too that you might even get. If they're a bad team next year, they could be drafting every early time enough. when Donald was in when he was the quarterback and Christian McCaffrey was in that roster on that in that lineup. Chris, uh, Donald was five and two. This year with Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. And at one point in the season, Darnold led the league in rushing touchdowns. You know, he was 5-2 and two with Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. Right. When he wasn't, he had a losing record. And I also think the value of the Panthers 6 versus the, Pan- the Panthers, what they could have next year once they end up getting the picks back, could end up helping a younger quarterback get into a situation. Now, again, the coaching is unknown with Matt Rule if he's going to be there because he regressed from one year he one stinks. to year two. Yeah, so Overpaid he, uh, coach. Well, yeah, that, that, that too. But we've seen David Tepper throw away money. He will be fired at the end of this year. It's very possible. So as a result, do you really want a, a quarterback that's drafted this year to have to go through what Darnold and went if through? I was Cal- Carolina. If I was Carolina at the end of this year, I would hire Eric Bieniemy, and that's mm-hmm. what I. That would be Absolutely. the first. That would be my first pick. I wouldn't even interview him. I'd say you're hired. Okay, I wouldn't even think twice because we've seen quarterbacks have that kind of trouble where they've had. Baker Mayfield had all those coaches when he had to start his career with the Browns. The, Sam Donald had that with the Jets. He had just went through that. So I don't know if the Panthers are going to want to have that where. <laughs> Say a Kenny Pickett is drafted at six, then all of a sudden has to switch to a new coach and learn a new scheme. Now, I worked for some instances like Jared. I say Goff. they wait until next year. That's what I'm thinking too. You, you take an offensive lineman, or you trade back and try to get just fill out the rest of your. Because I think they're going to stink this year. Because their defense is actually pretty good they on paper. Gonna yeah, they're going to they're going to stink record wise, but talent wise, their defense is actually pretty good on paper. They just need a lot. Talent doesn't offense. win football. Games I know that. That's my point. And, and and you want to <laughs> and you want to watch. Uh, I want to see J.C. Horn play a whole season. Uh-huh. I want to see his develop. As a player, but he, they're going to stink this year. And and then what do you do in the offseason next year? You're going to have a top five, top six pick. You get the quarterback that you want because there's three or four good quarterbacks in next year's class. Dude, when, dude have you seen next year's quarterback draft boss? It's have good. It's it? good. It's crazy. Yeah. It's not good. It's ridiculous. Okay, what it's is it? It's actually ridiculous. What do you mean, ridiculous? Is it good or ridiculous? It's unbelievably good. Mm hmm unbelievably good. There's so many quarterbacks coming out next year. It's unbelievable. So there you go. Why would you draft a quarterback now dude, when you can dude, get him next CJ year? CJ Stroud, Stroud will be in next year's draft class. Obviously, Bryce Young will be in that draft class. Um, Keaton Slovis will be in that draft class. Spencer Rattler will be in the draft class. <laughs> oh, and I God. get it. Listen, you, 
Dude, you can laugh all you want. No, I'm just laughing right. at the fact that Errol's going to react to that. God almighty. I get that, but I get that you're going to react that way. But if Spencer Rattler was in this draft, he'd be the top quarterback in this Probably draft. would be because this quarterback class sucks. You know? right, but I'm ju- right, but I'm just saying, like, so you have you have the fourth or fifth ranked guy next year is better than this entire draft class. Here's an article I'm reading on this. A kid that I've only seen in a small sample so far with uh, with this year, but uh, Jake Hayner is another one that's being listed as another guy that's Dude, Jake Hayner from there. Fresno State. I, who I liked talent wise of the little bit I've seen with Fresno State this year, and he has a he has a big arm too, which a lot of teams like. Yeah, dude, Jake Hayner's a Jake Hayner's a good one. I'm trying to think of all the quarterbacks. That did. Dude, it was when I saw the list. Dude, it was like eight people deep. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, this article was, this this article lists Young and Stroud as the one and two, and then uh, Radler Radler and Hayner and uh, Jaron Hall from BYU was in that tier. And Jaron then, Hall's a question mark. He's I- iffy for me. Yeah, I, I I don't know much about him as of right now. Uh, then tier three, this one says Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina. Dude, from dude, he's a good dude. First of all, dual threat can run, can throw. Grayson McCall's pretty good. And then this one also says Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. Uh, Will Levis, who was good I last hate year. Hendon Hooker. Oh, you know. I hate Hendon okay. Hooker. Okay. Dude, go back and watch Tennessee football. He took no, some I know. of the worst <laughs> sacks I've ever seen in my life. It was terrible. All he does is hold the ball. That dude can kick rocks. Get out of here. With this, one, this one's interesting. He played well last year. Will Levis. Uh, dude, Will Le- dude uh, the pro- by the way, Will Levis, uh, Xavier High School, Meriden, Connecticut. Oh, I've been, I, I, I've been there. So. <laughs> Xavier High School, Meriden, yep, Connecticut. I know where that That's is. That's right. The I know where that from is. Kentucky. Will Levis is a player, dude. Mm-hmm. Will Levis is terrific, dude. Did you watch? First of all, everyone's like, "Oh, basketball school, dude." Kentucky no, they were they were only... they were top ten at points this year. I remember that. Yeah, they were awesome this past year. All Will Levis. Will Levis is terrific. Mm-hmm. So it'll be a good quarterback class. And you know, teams, if they they feel that they failed on the quarterback picks in the in the past, uh, they'll be looking for another quarterback. Whoever yeah. had Hendon Hooker on that list should consider stopping making lists. Well, yeah this this article. This article was from pfprofootballnetwork.com. I can't find the name of the person. but Do you think Bryce Young is, is going to be a good NFL prospect? Honestly. Uh, yeah, I, as a prospect, yes. Like, if you look at what he's done, uh, listen, he, uh, here's, I think, the way you can just as a measurable. He's far more efficient and been better than Tua Tagovailoa was, Right. Like and talent doesn't always like translate to the next level. It doesn't. But as a prospect, yeah, he's been much better. Look at look at what he did last year. Losing the receivers, James, yeah. Without Med, yeah, without Mechie, without Jamison Williams for a lot of that game, Bryce Young was the reason why they they even had a shot against. By the way, the nation's best and scariest defense. Mm-hmm. He was great. He was great last year. Right. Say it again, Speedy. Historically good for the first for, for college football defensive standards. Yeah. By the way, did you love my uh, reply to your tweet from like six months ago? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Georgia just scored again. <laughs> it was Georgia. No, no, but because we were, I, I tagged Jeff in a, in a poll from right before the college football playoff, and Georgia had like the least percentage of, it of had, votes. It said who was going to win the national championship, and it had every team ahead of Georgia. It had Cincinnati ahead of them, had Alabama ahead of them, it had everybody ahead of them. Who won, Speedy? Your Georgia Bulldogs. 
Not my Georgia Bulldogs. Well, yeah, you're, but you were riding them the whole season, though. Right? That's why I said it. Yes, exactly. Body bagged it again. Body bagged it again. <laughs> Maybe you should yeah. call the Beeve and help him out. Slap a toe. Oh, dude, uh, can I tell you the Ducks are the most disappointing team on the planet? <laughs> I know you're how, do you how do you allow two third-period goals? <laughs> I know. When I when I woke up the next day and I look at the score, I'm like, uh, the Beeve's probably jumping for joy. I just made 600 bucks. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, there's a there's, – dude, like every quarterback prospect is better than – like even if you're – even if you're saying oh, Bryce Young's going to be Tua Tagovailoa, which I think he's better than Tua, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Tua Tagovailoa would be the runaway number one pick in this draft mm-hmm. ahead of Kenny Pickett and all of those other dudes. Probably. Malik right. Willis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He would be. So every dude, I'm telling you, there's four or five quarterbacks that all in next year's draft that would all be ahead of every quarterback in this year, oh, except for maybe EJ Perry. I realized. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. So, Perry, so, so, so Hendon Hooker is supposed to be terrible, and he's still uh, 10,000 times better than EJ Perry. <laughs> Dude, so, EJ so Perry. I'll, give, I'll give you my history with, with that whole thing and why I've been a Tennessee fan. So I, you know I was a UCF guy. Yes. I liked UCF and whatever. And so when Josh Heupel took the Tennessee job, I was like, oh, man, I can't wait to see his style offense with actual real football players, right? Because UCF in the Peach Bowl beat Auburn. Yep. Right? And everyone was like – An oh, Auburn team that happen. just beat Alabama a couple of weeks ago before – or right, not made, before they, with the gap, but two games ago. Right. Yeah. They made the national championship run. They lost like three games and then beat – and then won out and even beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl and right. all that kind of shit, right? Yep. And then UCF beat them. And so I was like, man, UCF is good, but they're never going to get any players because they're UCF. Yeah. So now they went to the SEC. I was so excited. I was like, this is going to be so great. And they were very good last year. But their starting quarterback got hurt. That kid, um, shit. Oh, God. I hate myself. I'm forgetting who their actual starter was last year. But it wasn't Hendon Hooker because he transferred in from Virginia Tech. And then he ended up playing the rest of the season because that kid got hurt. And it was so beautiful to watch for like three weeks. They were hanging 50 and 60 points on like SEC teams. And then they played Ole Miss and all that shit stick did was stand in the goddamn pocket with the football and take sacks. Harrison Bailey, was was that the guy? uh, It might have been. Because he just transferred to. Uh-oh, Speedy. DeGrom dealing with shoulder tightness. Oh. Oh, yeah, I saw that earlier. Oh, boy. That's not a good sign. Oh, boy. Here we go again with the shoulder tightness. Was was, was the old Miss game the one where people threw golf balls at um, Lane Kiffin? Yeah. That's that's exactly the game where Hendon Hooker was just in the pocket holding the goddamn football the whole time, taking sacks. Dude, through some of the worst passes I've ever seen at the end of that game, he was terrible. I would never want Hendon Hooker on my football team. Ever. Ever. He's as dumb as the day is long. So so you're saying Hendon Hooker's passes were less accurate than, than throwing the trash on the field? Oh, dude. Uh, who, dude, sign up whoever hit Lane Kiffin with that golf ball because that was a accurate strike. <laughs> are, are you telling me someone from the, the, the 300 sections threw a golf ball that perfectly hit him in the chest? 
That's like a 70 yard pass. <laughs> Tennessee football revenge tour. <laughs> I'm telling you, watch out for Tennessee in the upcoming years, man, because they're going to be dangerous, dude. That style, that style of play, the SEC doesn't play it. And it's going to be, dude, Josh Heupel's a coach. He's going to get that school really good, really quickly. Really good. Hmm. He's a terrific coach. Well, Jeff, uh, thank you for calling, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Ban the beef, will you? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jeff from Tampa. Um, Awesome, by the way. Jacob DeGrom to be reevaluated Friday for feeling tightness in shoulder. New York Mets say. That is not good. And we still don't know the whole results of coming out last year because the Mets like to cover that stuff up. And it's his throwing arm. Oh, boy. Yeah, just for He's you. a righty, right? Yep. Yeah, it's just throwing on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, just when it looks like the Mets are going to have some kind of uh, magical season with all the money they spent, all of a sudden now their best player gets hurt. Oh, yeah. Great start. Great I'll start. have Max Scherzer, so. Yeah, and now we're going to have to have Max Scherzer carry a bigger load in the beginning of the season. If yeah, Jacob probably, if... If it's what it is, he's probably going to sit out for at least two or three starts. Shoulder tightness, your throwing arm, that's not a good sign when no. baseball's right around a corner. So. No, and you had, you had the whole second half, whatever that he was dealing with, to be able to figure something out, uh, whether it's the organization, whether it's him, again, still not sure, but something's fishy there. Yeah. Anyways. Um, that's it for our show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank Travis May for joining us, uh, from obviously Rotoviz football analyst and college to Canton podcast. So thank you to Travis and Oregon state sophomore tight end JT Byrne. Awesome. Awesome kid. Great, great. Uh, looking forward for his growth, uh, in the very near future. So shout out to, uh, Mr. JT Burns. Uh, we'll be back next week on Tuesday. Uh, Speedy, who do we got? Uh, joining the show at 9.30, we will have former relief pitcher. He pitched for the Orioles, he pitched for the Yankees, and he pitched for the Blue Jays. Josh Towers will be joining us at 9.30, and then at 10 o'clock, we'll have a, a Yankees writer uh, fan for fan-sided, rambling fan, and he also is a uh, Internet Baseball Writers Association of America for the Yankees minor league system, uh, Julian Guillarte. Good. Good. Uh, I got a lot to say to him about uh, this whole Brian Cashman thing, by the way. Uh, I'd like to know his opinion yeah. towards it. Um, yeah. Uh, listen to the Weekend Crunch uh, this week, Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, we will have great guests. Uh, Moneyline Mania, you definitely can't miss. So definitely stay tuned for that. Like I said, we'll be Moneyline back. Moneyline Mania doing uh, the Duke, North Carolina. <laughs> Yes, yes, sir. One more meeting got? for Ghost Who you K. Got? I got, I got. It's going to be close. I, I got Duke. I think they'll pull away late. I'll say Duke wins it by eight, a high scoring game. I think Duke wins it by over ten. All right, you think it's a blowout? Yes, All right. I think I think Duke beats them over ten. Um, who do you got, Villanova or Kansas? I got Villanova. I think that game will be close because of the Justin Moore injury, just because Villanova's offensive firepower loses it, but their defense has still been very good. I think the way they played against Houston really shows a lot. So I'm going to take Villanova close, low-scoring game. I would say, too. I, I, I'm going to take Villanova. I took them as my champion, so mm-hmm. I'm going to have them going. Duke, Villanova, in a national championship. That's what I think is going to happen. It'll be a fun national championship, too. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's it. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy Petey saying good night, and we'll talk to you then. Good night.
You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.